up to i just got off my uh 32 hour shift at wendy's bro nice you? <laughs> yeah just got off work and <laughs> not too much going on today cool bro it's good uh, to hear. yep just kind of been loading up on different things um from around the world here cool um there's like some pretty good plays today like in stocks and different things yeah uh, like I got some Palantir stock this morning, which is the uh, kind of like logistics data analysis yeah. company that you know Amazing. sort of like has been doing some AI related shit for military. It's the Fed, basically. Yeah, yeah, building Terminator robots essentially. Uh-huh. Um, it's like building Skynet pretty much. So I figured if we're all gonna die, fuck it, I'm gonna <laughs> get rich doing it. Make sure everyone dies with me. Um, so. Picked up some pounds here, like 18 bucks. They had like, I last sold it at like, I think 15, 16, maybe. Mm-hmm. I wrote it from like five, I think it was like five or six bucks. I bought it, sold it about 15, but I bought it back because their earnings actually showing that their tech actually works and is popular and people want it. So I just like, just bought back a bit more than I had before uh-huh. at 18 and it, kept, it keeps running today. So it's like now at 22. I think it'll yeah. probably break its high of um I think its high was like around forty five bucks. I bet you I'm gonna get a two X on this from here pretty readily. Maybe I'll just sell it at that point once it gets over overbought. Yeah, for sure. And just yeah. sort of trading it out of it, just fucking around, um, making Fair some enough. easy money. But like there's just a lot of money looking for a home. You know, it's like a bunch of NVIDIA that's just pumped into infinity. Dude, holy shit, man. That's fucking insane. <laughs> yeah. So NVIDIA is just waiting for a fuck to be toppled over. And there's more talk about that, you know, on the uh, mainstream media stuff, like, you know, the Jim Cramer and whatever. Uh, yeah. So like, it's the just a matter of topping out and it's just like a gigantic house. It's just straight up like, you know, out of the sort of like the dot com, you know. Yeah. yeah, no, that makes sense. I think to me, what, this kind of environment that we're in market environment um like i said i i've already mentioned that i'm predominantly trading forex and like indices so i'm pretty comfortable mm-hmm. like with like you know oh yeah with the dollar and like in the nasdaq and when i look at it and when i just look at the trajectory that we're on it's very it's eerily similar to the um the roaring 20s where yeah um, i saw some it, comments about that sort of thing that yeah that we exactly. might have like a crazy ass you know decade of just exuberance or something exactly because if you think about it right now every every like passive or not serious investor that i've like talked to about the market sometimes they're like everything they always tell me is so bullish what they tell me is like this market is overvalued this market can't go higher like I, like we're not supposed to be up here and you need basically people thinking like that and saying that 
that's what fuels rallies. If everyone was saying, oh yeah, I'm going to be buying here, I'm buying here, I'm buying here, that's when you're not supposed to be buying. Um, yep. But everyone right now just seems to be so bearish and shit on, they're like, oh, the economy's bad, the market's supposed to be up there. I just honestly see a, see them uh, pumping us for like the next three, four years and then seeing some like hell in the late 2020s. By then you definitely got to have some shit set up. But for this year, what I'm sort of expecting is, um, are you, you're, are you familiar? I mean, I mean, clearly you are, but when you look at like a bullish candle, do you know mm-hmm. how like the way the bullish candle looks like you have the, the wick and then you kind of have the body and then you kind of have the yeah. top of the wick. So, sure. um, because I'm bullish on the year, what I would want, what I'd prefer to see is that when you think of the yearly candle, um, the opening price of a yearly candle is January 1st of the year, right? right. Mm-hmm. So what I would want to see preferably for us to signal like that we're I, I think we're due for a, a healthy retracement a little bit on NASDAQ. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, w- I would want to see a healthy retracement sometime in February or March on the indices for us to eventually kind of just get sent higher throughout the year. And it kind of makes me think that I, I'm on the boat where I think I'm not sure if the bottom on Bitcoin is in just yet. I think it goes higher throughout the year. I'm, I'm not doubting that. I just think that it might want to flush a little bit more one more time. But that's just what I think personally. Yeah, I, I just kind of left uh, BTC as a thing that I'll I'll buy in the I'll buy the ETF uh, right out of my brokerage account um, if it dumps. So, like, let's say BTC dumps to thirty five or below thirty to thirty five for some reason, mm-hmm. yeah, and the risk return looks like it's very good. Then mm-hmm. I'll just take some stocks I have in the green um, and or some dividends and just buy some BTC with it, no problem. Fair uh, enough. Otherwise, I'm like I'm not adding any here necessarily. It's there's yeah. better risk return uh, at this point. Um, like yeah, getting into sort of what um, is good risk return right now. Um, Link, of course, looks fantastic. Um, yeah, probably the best like easy buy in the crypto space today. Yeah, as far as like you know mo- modest volatility but um, high upside. Then you have um, like um, the other ones like the tickers I'm. I like is out of the cosmos layer ones um like I would say the more more undervalued at this point would be Kajira like it it hasn't had the giga pump that um injective and some of these other things have had neutron and stuff, and it's way more fleshed out of an ecosystem, way more than neutron and injective combined, so it's just a much better user experience. I think like if you want to talk about undervalued, that's it right there. And um, if you're in the Cosmos ecosystem, um, what else is out there? And then, of course, like we were talking about Zephyr. So the big news uh, from yesterday is Monero got delisted from Binance um, because um, law enforcement agencies are expecting exchanges to know where the funds that they have received come from. Mm -hmm. That's not possible with Monero. And therefore, like there's delistings happening. Yeah, I think there's that. a possibility of delistings on any place that has these things in theory. If if an exchange gets big enough and uh, someone goes after them, um, mm-hmm. that you know, like most of these exchanges don't have the power to be like fucking around with that. So yeah. what's going to happen next? I think is um, there's going to be like an ec- economic incentive for more dexes. Um, we have uh, Zephyr Swap coming up. Uh, I think by end of month, maybe February 28th. I think the guys yeah. are trying to do something. We yeah. have like maybe Sarai that was trying to incorporate Monero. I'm not sure how far they got. There was Thorchain Black, which is kind of like 
a theoretical project. I don't know if anyone's actually built any of that yet, but that's like another Anon project that people are working on to do Monero. Mm-hmm. But the reality is the economic incentive to create decks is where you can, you know, go into the decks and swap for um, for a privacy coin. That's going to be a thing. Um, you know, is it possible to, um, like, is it possible to, you know, enforce, like, let's say I were to buy something on one exchange and I go use it um, on another, let's say I go to a, a you know, um, a DEX with known privacy features. Could that be made individually legal? I suppose it's possible. Hasn't happened yet, um, you know, in the U.S. or otherwise so far. Yeah. So um, at this point, that's neither here nor there. But I figured, like, well, now's the time to pick up a privacy bag because then you have a bag that's out in um, in darkness now before the stuff becomes more um, scrutinized on an individual basis. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's kind of like it's um, these are good tools to have like in your, in your back pocket in a sense. So I think like Monero right now, um, the price of it has dumped to, let's kind of analyze this chart a little bit because people might be interested in um, XMR at this moment. It had like just a straight up down candle from like $167. It dumped all the way, all the way to a hundred bucks. It lost a lot of value very quickly. I mean, that's a big dump even on the log scale. Now we've had dumps like that with Monero in the past. Like one was the FTX where the 2021 dip of Bitcoin in May and it dropped um, Monero at that point dumped quite literally from $520 to $107 in over the course of, I mean, a couple of weeks. So Monero has seen dips of this magnitude um, in the recent years. Um, this dip probably is not fully done yet. I would yeah, think. I don't think so either. When I look at the chart, for example, do you mm-hmm. see do you see the monthly? How you kind of see that swing low around ninety seven dollars to the mm-hmm. left of it? Yeah, um, yep. I think I think a lot of people probably have their sell stops below that. Just yeah, I, I, would, so, I would agree. Yeah, so it, like retesting that is pretty much like expected, and a dump below that's probably likely. Yeah. You know, are we going to retest like freaking 2020 COVID low of $25? Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. But um, I mean, a Binance delisting is a pretty big deal for price action one way or the other, especially because, you know, they're, I'm not sure how many high liquidity exchanges even have it. And it signals to the market that, oh, like they're coming after my privacy tokens, whatever. So who will be left at the bottom is going to be the most privacy diehards, essentially. So. Yeah. So there comes a point where it's like it does become a good buy and um, it becomes like a DCA strategy. So what's going to happen with the new DEXs, um, Sarai or Zephyr Swap or some of these things, um, that could represent a really nice opportunity because Zephyr is at a nice retracement at about 12 bucks down from 53. Um, If you also get a retracement on Monero, it makes it much more attractive to LP the two together because otherwise, like, you know, normally on the way up, you're suffering from impermanent loss and shit. And if either pair gets affected, the LP gets affected, right? Yeah. So it's almost always better if both pairings with the LP are both down when you start to pair. So it yeah. can be actually like advantageous to Zephyr people um, to have this go down because like um, it represents like um, a better, like, more straightforward liquidity pairing. And the, the ability to go from, say, Monero to a stable ZSD could be very nice for people as well yeah. because now they know they could trade off to a stable coin 
without having to go to a centralized exchange. Because if you think about it, like, why do you go to centralized exchanges? Uh, the biggest reason are you're going to uh, on and off ramp. Um, and Binance people aren't really on and off ramping anyway there. They're just sort of sending their tether and shit there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the other reason is like to trade into a stable value position just for trading purposes. Like you're not off ramping from crypto. You're just swapping in and out. So now yeah. with DSD, now you could like swap in and out of Monero theoretically to something with some uh, stable valuation. And that like alleviates people's concerns about holding their Monero um, long term. Yeah. So now the the only thing that like might keep concerning people is well how deep are the liquidity pools if I have you know Monero am I going to be able to exit with you know reasonable size um, Yeah. And that's that's a question mark, but that might be helpful right now because it expunges a lot of whales who might be like fuck it I'm out of here I, I'm not sure if I can exit with my yeah. you know hundred million dollars so I'm just going to do it now you know or whatever. Um, so that could be kind of bullish later for. Um, the coin like but you know how much does that keep the coin underwater in the future in terms of growth potential if there's like issues about it listings it's possible but if most people that want monero use it as a tool well it's going to be definitely a tool now (laughs) because its upside potential might be somewhat constrained um now on the flip side of that like thorchain got a lot more action this last year um as a decentralized um you know, um, sort of like uh, native wallets, uh, native coin swaps, you know, to different types of chains. And um, so it's quite possible privacy DEXs could get really busy very quickly. So this is sort of bullish for Zephyr because yeah. the, the less like high quality exchanges are available for Monero, like more people are going to show up on Zephyr swap. They're going to notice Zephyr. They're going to notice CSD. It's like pretty much yeah. an advertising event for Zephyr at this point indirectly. Yeah, not necessarily bullish for Zephyr in the sense that, like, well, this might, con- you know, curtail like other listings of Zephyr on exchanges in theory. But you know, as long as we get more dexes, it's all good. It's kind of yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, no, and really, I- a lot of people that are into Zephyr now are probably like, you know, just like really like in the cult, really are hard yeah. diehards, and um, you know, I think it's fine for now. I don't think it's going to affect us on, on the Zephyr side, for sure. But interesting. Yeah, that make that makes sense. Yeah, let's let's just definitely see how how things kind of play out. Because I know that I mean, I think you probably know better than I. But just when I look at when I look at every single crypto run we've had in the past, they've definitely given people like a lot of hell before, like really running it up to, like for a sustained time. Oh yeah. So it kind of just makes me think that. Because seasonality wise, like for the US, generally seasonality wise, right? Um, February and March is our pretty bullish months for the US dollar. So that's like pretty bearish, um, you know, foreign currencies, it's bearish, like, you know, indices. And it tends to be also bearish um, BTC, at least, not speaking about alts. But I would imagine, like, yeah, I would like to definitely see a little bit of a, I think I can definitely see BTC going to around. So anywhere between 31 and 34k really kind of fucking like scaring people a lot and maybe they'll give more a little bit more help to other yeah. stuff and then but i think that there's no doubt the the trajectory for the year is like um is up but i just think it's about like buying at the right spots and not buying the fucking tops you'll be fine this is sort of the this is sort of the timing for for a dip anyway yeah i think so it's like quite possible um for sure people might have to sell because they're broke for taxes or who the hell knows what yeah, uh, 
so yeah, these months, uh, I think Arthur Hayes was kind of in that camp. He's like, watch out below, you know, like, who's that? Who's Arthur? Who's Arthur Hayes? He was the original guy that like ran BitMEX. Oh, okay. The black guy, kind of thin dude. Um, yeah, he's, he's kind of like a, like we consider kind of like crypto OG, relatively speaking, because like he's old school BitMEX. So, but anyway, like his, his sense was that, um, we, we ought to see some rough times uh, moving forward. So I think like picking things that have a relatively bullish pattern versus BTC now could result in a trade where your coin's going to go up, even though BTC may be in distress. And that particular coin at this moment is pretty much chain link. Yeah. That has the best BTC link. The link BTC chart looks best of most of the crypto space in terms of that concern. Yeah, and no, Link sure. is well known too for running um, in this way because this is what happened in 2020 as well. Okay, uh, Chainlink ran because it kind of came out in 2019, so it's what I consider off cycle. Um, Chainlink runs about a year ahead of BTC, and it and its run ends also a year before BTC's uh, like end run, so to speak. So, mm-hmm. like Link is due for this year's run if you just judge by the fact that 2020. And right into early 2021 was its like its biggest peak versus BTC back then. So I think like Link's probably the like sanest of the picks as far as large scale buys in this area. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think for now, um, my main positions are um, I had mentioned to you Cubic. Like I'm, I'm Cubic mm-hmm. and Cubic, and then there's Tia and there's Link. Um, and then you're, I, I definitely agree that when the market kind of does start like kind of going going parabolic all of crypto like there's no doubt that link is, is probably going to be definitely like a leader just just by how strong it's been relative to everything else but yeah um no yeah i agree uh, i gotta i'm gonna i gotta hop on a fucking meeting because yeah go I, for it go I, for I work it. from i work from home but uh, it's been good talking to you bro we'll, we'll stay yeah, man. catch up later um i did pick up like i had some um uh adam sitting around in a wallet and i decided to swap it into dimension for this sort of gigapump mm-hmm. um it is available um and hop on after to your coffee like i was just talking generally but um i did grab some at like i don't know three dollars or something like that it's now 569 and um i'm sort of like watching that it's just ridiculously overvalued but people are picking it up like crazy because they they felt like they missed the tier run and they're picking it up for like you know, hey, I'm going to stake it for the airdrops or some bullshit. Well, guess what? I'm going to dump on those motherfuckers like you wouldn't believe. Because um, <laughs> like uh, these like, you know, VC backed things are become like crazy overvalued very yeah, quickly. For sure. Um, but yeah. um, I figured like the thing is like it'll have its pump. It's like it's already at like a four billion FDV or some bullshit. Mm-hmm. And now it must be even higher, like, you know, the six or seven billion FDV, some bullshit numbers. And so, like it, uh, you know, my my thought is that like you, I'm just going to run it until, um, you know, I feel like I made a decent multiple, and then just get the fuck out, make some easy money on this one. Um, no, but fair, I did the fair. same thing for Say Network for Tia. I made money in all of these, like two cool. xing and two and a half xing these, and just yeah. basically took super low risk. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't stay for the whole run, and yeah, I probably should have, but. I swap them into other things that are safer. So I'm just getting my two and three X's getting out, buying something else safer and then getting my X's on that instead uh, over the long bull run. 
so that this is just like building the bull run bags um and sort of like gambling not gambling but like doing micro uh buys making a few bucks toss them into something safer and that's yeah. my strategy for this season and then like there's almost no way to fuck this up because like most of my buys are already up to 3x and then yeah. i buy the thing that i want to run that's safer and if that thing pulls a 10x well now i've made like 30x's across the board or like 20 to 30x's across the board and i'm pretty much in great shape no matter what and i'm early enough to where even the next bear market i'm fine because like most of the shit that I'm buying will put in lo- new higher lows that are probably higher than they are now. So this is my mm-hmm. this is my strategy for just like easy money. Um, the crypto space is like easy to make money, and if you don't you don't like fuck you don't fuck around too much, you just kind of like <laughs> you you just take your wins and just keep moving. For sure, pretty for much. Sure. So anyway, all right, bro. Yeah, good catching so. up though. Yeah, I don't want to hold you. Um, but um, yeah, like so, my buy from this morning. Yeah, like I'm not quite double, but I'm getting there. That's pretty good for the day. <laughs> Just a quick 2x. And actually, what I'll probably do is take that dimension buy, and I'm probably just going to go get some Zephyr with it because it's such a nice uh, buy zone now. Dimension, like if I make a quick, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure how much this is going to go up. I'm guessing like pe- people are crazy about this shit. They have no idea what this stuff is worth. So they, they like you go to coin market cap or whatever. CoinGecko, it doesn't say shit on there. It just shows you $238 million of trading volume. What in the fuck? And then there's going to be some like airdrops and stuff and people are going to like get excited about it. And uh, maybe it's going to be the next big thing. Who gives a fuck? The reality is like that these things get way overvalued too quickly, especially when you have a bunch of VCs and shit in the background. And this is stuff that's like the chart looks like just straight line up right now, which is very funny because it's only been out for um today or whatever so it's still pretty early but like you know i'm not recommending picking it up here it's fine where i bought the thing but i mean shit i don't know it could pump but like i don't want you guys to lose money or whatever it's just like I'm, i just had some play money sitting in a wallet and like fuck it i'll just buy some because uh, these people are people are imbeciles and they're gonna like <laughs> run this thing up for no reason so it's like meme coin status at this point i'm just gonna ride it a bit um it's just sitting on, in osmosis for now um and i'm just going to swap back to probably adam maybe send that adam to mexi and pick myself up some more zephyr if i get a good deal so that'll be a nice easy way to pick up something that's retraced with something that i do a good like maybe 3x or 4x or some bullshit on um we'll see but it's basically like being sold in illiquid space um it is available right now on um kucoin and binance so it's widely available at the open and it's like hyped up as well by everybody. So everyone's sitting there waiting to, you know, buy it basically. So most people that buy this thing don't know what the fuck they're doing as far as like FDVs and market caps, whatever. So it'll run some, I think. And as soon as I think like um, it shows a 24 hour range of uh, $6 to right now at five sixty. I figured, um, and I think it opened on KuCoin and I have a chart where it shows it hitting 20 bucks or some bullshit. But I think, um, uh, you know, without getting too greedy, I'll just make like a, a few X's on this thing and exit and go buy myself some Zephyr nice and low. Um, this is how you kind of stack this. And almost all my Zephyr I bought after having 2X and 3X other shit in the first place. So it doesn't matter if it's down or whatever. My actual portfolio is not down at all. Um, this is how it's done. <laughs> like, this is what, like, um, always like take your winnings and, um, um, maybe invest those as opposed to um 
only bringing in new cash or whatever. Um, let's see. Uh, hey, noob, what you up to, man? Anything special? Yeah. Not you, nothing really. Are you watching the China just, market? Is there, any, is there anything I, I should be dropping? Uh, uh, there's no. anything I should be buying as far as um, like China stocks that you, you, you like? Well, I bought some Alibaba. They're up like my stocks are up like 20% from. Yeah. I bought <laughs> a little bit of Alibaba as well. Um, someone had mentioned it. Um, Jaguar or somebody. Somebody had mentioned getting some. So I was like, all right, it's screw it. I'll add some. to bearish, you know, I. My, I actually buy a lot of stuff with Alibaba in China, you know. Yeah, I, like I think I I doubled my I doubled or more my Neo position. I got some of that, and I got a little bit of Alibaba just for shits and giggles, just to watch it. Yeah, uh, most of the smaller Chinese companies, like when you know people, they don't know how China works. Like every Chinese man or woman knows that the Chinese stock market is like a casino, right? So it's basically, yeah. it's like the Chinese consider it a casino. If you talk to anyone, it's like, okay, a big company like Alibaba, yeah, maybe, or Tencent or something like that. But anything small mm. is like, okay, it's a gamble coin. <laughs> you get wrecked, you know, it's like crypto for them. So whatever, yeah. right? <laughs> it's for shits and giggles to them, you know? And then people are like, I mean, Big accounts like uh, here on, on, on but like finance. today my my XPeng XPEV and Neo like they both popped about 12, 13 percent. These are both yeah. like these are all They're these decent um, companies. Yeah, all these lithium. Remember, I was mentioning all the lithium stuff was wrecked. All my lithium st stuff popped today um, a bit, and um, I think a lot of that lithium worry was because both the U.S. and the Chinese markets. And so lithium is like super, anything lithium related. Um, and if anyone wants a list of those, I've got them here. I can rattle them off for you. Or if you have, anyone has a notepad and pen, you can like jot them down if you'd like. But um, if someone requests them, I can, I can like tell you. But like these are all like super, super wrecked charts, which makes them relatively easy to sort of ape into at this level. But I mean, Jesus, like Toyota jumped seven and a half percent today. What in the living fuck? is going on so like <laughs> i have these kind of funny stocks that i bought that you might think like why are you buying toyota stock and my toyota stock is quite literally like it's done like like what is it 50 percent plus this year or something it's one of my best performers oddly enough like, what yeah it's like super crazy and one thing you was just mentioning about um you're taking your profits into into zeph it's quite good that we are early in the year, so you can still mm -hmm. do that without having to worry about tax implications. A lot of people forget about that, but when it comes later to the year and you do these kind of sales and you're sort of underwater, you have to pay taxes. It depends, really. I mean, you can, you don't have to pay taxes straight away, but it's still something like where you can be in an uncomfortable position if you're underwater, right? Yep, yep. Um... But so like nice a, a couple of stocks that are like super wrecked, like my position in Piedmont PLL is down 72%. <laughs> like, now it's not a very big one. It's like these small lithium companies, but that one's probably worth looking into just, in fact, you know what? I'm going to buy some right now. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> like, it's down enough, like to the point where it's absurdly down. Um, and it has, um, what's the ticker? It's uh, PLL. Piedmont Lithium and its institutional ownership's like 50%. Total debt to capital is only 0.48%. Profit margin is 48%. So earnings per share growth 30%. So it's like a pretty good like play. Um, 
it's a negative earnings per share though. So it's not one of these like clearly profitable companies either, but that's when you get these like insanely decent deals and having a little bit of it is pretty reasonable. In fact, let me see how much of it I have. Okay. I'm going to like more, I'm going to double my, um, like whatever my portfolio is worth now, I'm going to go and double that at this level. This is a good time to just kind of like maybe ape into a, a, a sizable amount. Um, just because like if my portfolio is wrecked, that's usually a good time to get in. <laughs> like I buy little amounts and I'm just like use them as bookmarks almost. And they're small enough that it just like, immaterial to me as far as like me caring about it being down but it's beautiful because i can just pull up my brokerage thing and i can just sort of like sort based on what's down the most so that one is down a lot um so i'm going to add to that the let me see what else is interesting here um so like you know when they're like and that's not to say that i'm sure that they're going to go up or whatever the point is like they're cheap enough to where they're worth you know just throwing a little bit of money at it in case it moons later on. And I don't have time to sit and fuck around with like researching whether it's, you know, amazing or whatever. So like I'm purely going off of with stocks. I just go with like mostly off of a, do they produce something useful? B are they, they yeah. are they probably not going out of business? And this C, is it's like, is also not going away anytime soon. You know, exactly. Just... And, and C it's like, you know, is the chart completely wrecked? Like, you know, it is my, that's kind of Another, the criteria. There's a couple of things to lithium. Um, one is to consider that it's actually pretty hard to recycle these old batteries. It's not mm -hmm. just as energy efficient as one might think. So you can, yep. if you have a good lithium source, you just mine it. It's actually better for the environment than trying to recycle it for the lithium content, which is kind of weird, but it is what it is, right? And the other another thing is one, another one. Oh, they came up with these uh, sodium batteries, right? And they work quite well. They have, uh, but they have a range problem, right? So right I now see. they're like at sixty percent range or sixty-five maximum of lithium batteries. So they're fine for these cheap-ass cars, like uh, really like the city-only kind of sort of thing, you know, where people can yep. just run like fifty miles or something. And they have a market, right? Because they they have a, they're definitely cheaper than the lithium ones. They don't need yeah. that stupid cobalt stuff and whatnot. So there's a, a new market coming up for these as well. Uh, but it doesn't affect the, the lithium market, I think. This will still be big. Probably not. Not for the not for the foreseeable future, I think. Lithium would be you know, something. I mean, there's a lot of demand. And people, you know, if they go for more renewables and people have these solar panels, they need batteries in, in the Yeah, in the people need batteries. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like, So the other ones here um, on the list are SQM, which is Sociedad Chimica. It's um, uh, like down, my position is down 38%. It's SQM. It's a Chile company, and so like that's one of my bigger losers. But I knew it could be um, highly volatile when I bought it because its lithium space is very um, like negative for the time being. But the yield at this level is thirteen percent. So you know it pumps out a fair amount of um, cash to my account, um, and then I can just sort of like I reinvest some of that in the same thing uh, to some extent. And um, and that one's down pretty nicely uh, overall. So that's also like a lithium miner in 
like South America, yeah. Chile, I believe. And, and realistically, I think most stock markets are like pre the front run, like for six months, something like uh, maybe three to six months. So they mm-hmm. know what's going on in the economy and they just front run and stuff, right? Then it's just like, so it's wrecked now, but the real, they say real bad earnings that will come like in the in the middle of this year, but then the stock's going to pick up because they anticipated that, right? I mean, these financial people, they're not that stupid. They can read the balance sheets and, and can <laughs> estimate a little yeah. bit what's going on in the future, right? So other stuff that's wrecked is um, like any kind of electric car manufacturer. Um, Rivian is a good example. X. PEV, which is Chinese, NEO, all of these things are like in relatively negative profits. So, you know, they're like rated as very bearish type of thing. So it's like, if you want to gamble a little bit on these things that are super down in terms of valuation, um, remember, like, you don't have to allocate very much to stuff that has gotten its ass kicked, even if it's going to go to zero. Like, if you own a few shares here and there, it's not a big deal. Um, You grab them with the intent that like, if they become a thing, you know, then, you know, you really really high multiples over like 10, 20 years or something. And so you just want to own a little tiny amount. And by tiny, I mean, you know, just pretty much immaterial. You don't even have to worry about it level. If it goes to zero, you don't care. And if it goes to a 10,000 X, wonderful. At some point in the future. Um, let's see, what else is uh, sort of interesting? Um, there's, um, like I think it's a South African um, platinum uh, company that it's IMPUI, which is a metals and mining thing. And with just general demand down, it's down, but it has a dividend yield of 8.7%. Um, that's fairly consistent based on today's price action. My position is down 20% on that one as, as another example. Um, let me see if there's any other interesting ones. Um, Paramount Resources is one. P, it's P R M R F, and um, that has about a six percent yield at this level. My position is down twenty percent. It's a tiny position. I didn't know very much about them, but I'm going to actually add some now because the the long term yield is pretty good. And like when the economy's down, everything just sort of goes down. It's like you don't have to overanalyze these things too much. But I think I can add. Um, Oh, you know, the market just closed. <laughs> oh, well. Um, I'll just add an order in here just for tomorrow. Um, but like, just, oh, it doesn't take that particular one on uh, after. Yeah, one, one thing that people should not forget is <clears throat> when it comes to stocks, I mean, we have a pretty bad inflation on, on the worldwide level, right? So everything's going to grind up one way or the other. It's just like, <laughs> it's just like everything. Yeah, inflation is going to pertain to the price of stocks as well. That's right. That's why, like, you shouldn't fade stocks too much when there's inflation high. Yeah, you just like look for some deals, find some things that are cheap, and and especially these high yield ones. Especially these high yield ones that that, which won't have so much upside. That, but they will also grind upwards with inflation. Yeah, like one of my better choices this year in terms of high yield was um, Petrobras, um, which is the ticker um, PRB, I think. Let me see. The Brazilian. Um, Yeah, the Brazilian oil producer. Um, What's interesting about them is the crazy high dividend yield. Um, 
let me see, it's, I believe it's the PBR-A, Class A shares, I believe. One of them has higher dividend than the other. You have to be careful with the what you get. But his P to E ratio is only like four. Um, let me see if I can find its dividend. Its dividend yield at this price is 17.7%. <laughs> like, and, uh, and oil prices are kind of like at a reasonable medium so that this is not too over or undervalued. It's probably fair valued. And you get like this ridiculously high dividend yield. And I bought quite a lot of it um, back like, I don't know. Let me see. I've got to see what price I picked it up at. But definitely a lot lower than here. And what's nice about it is both my dividend, like when I bought this thing, the dividend yield was like an obnoxious 25%. And so like I'm getting that level of dividend yield, plus I'm getting the um, the the value of the stock has gone up, which is pretty cool. Um, let me see if I can find it here. Like how much am I up on that one? But that's always like the the holy, you know, grail of, stocks is that if you can get a high dividend yielder while it's wrecked for some reason maybe the market's down or something yeah i'm up 35.7 percent on the stock and i have a 25 percent dividend yield on that position from here on like it's just ridiculous so the 17.7 percent dividend yield is what the it is for the current price of the stock not the for the price that i bought it at and that's of course paid in cash so you know i have that coming in the other one that i did really well on was ibm the one that nobody gave a shit about except me. <laughs> like, and I bought it at the like pretty much the bottom and its div yield was like, I don't know, north of 10% or something. And um, it is up like 40% from when I bought it. And then on top of that, the very high div yield is based on my basis. Yeah, if you bought IBM today, its dividend yield is only 3.6%. When I bought it, it was like, I think maybe 8% or something like that. It's pretty high. So it's just basically free money indefinitely. And IBM's not really going anywhere. They have good cloud services and then they have, they're like a leader in quantum computing. So, um, exited too early. Yeah. yeah. Should have held it. Quantum computing is like the thing is uh, the IBM, I think, is more of a hold forever type of thing at these levels because w with AI and with um, all the different sort of privacy concerns with cryptography, um, any companies that are uh, doing advanced work in quantum computing become national security assets. They become de facto defense contractors. And basically, they become too important to allow to fail for any reason. And um, some of the quantum stuff is actually being deployed now in medical applications and whatnot in certain types of research centers. So, um, yeah, some, a lot of interesting like advancements yeah, are happening it's, it's there. The, I think it's one of those. I'm just going to hold ever be, ever will be a Skynet, you know, it'll be coming out of IBM. <laughs> yeah. You know. So IBM was one of my bigger positions. Um, and that's, you know, it's up 40%, which is awesome. Uh, I didn't know that it would be up that much. But remember, like when I bought this thing, the, the you know, the stock market was completely wrecked. Uh, and obviously tech has... You know, caught quite a bit of a you bit. just bought it for the but, dividend, right? You're like, okay, this thing has a decent dividend. Yeah, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Low dividend. <laughs> well, the, also the quantum advancements. Remember, they're the ones that have the Osprey system, which was like at the time when I bought this was the most advanced quantum computer in the world as far as qubits. Had like 400 qubits or something. So it was a mixture of quantum exposure, the fact that stocks were wrecked, dividend yield is high, 
And, I, and so I bought a larger amount of this thinking that, and I wasn't expecting a 40% gain and to completely rip the S&P, you know, like, and all that. I, I just figured whatever, it'll, it looks like a good buy. Now it's interesting too, because it's high is, um, I believe like $200. It's at 183 now. The probability this is going to break out to the upside and just basically moon is pretty good here. Um, so because they actually make money, their P to E ratio is only 22. Um, and, um, I, I think a bunch of in, industry is going to want like hedge funds and whatever, they're going to want that quantum computing exposure. And, um, I'm hoping that I'm, uh, um, I got ahead of most of those people and, uh, got in early on this party. <laughs> so the key to these things is getting in relatively early. Um, and that's how you make money, obviously. Um, but you have to get these things when no one gives a shit. And when everyone thinks things are overvalued, um, you know, like, um, you know, or undervalued, I'm sorry, or basically they feel like it's, a um, like a bearish, um, uh, chart or what have you. So I, I just sort of look at it and go, okay, what's the most wrecked chart I can find today? Let's buy a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And, um, that's kind of, um, the, the general play for the stock market to me. Um, you can chase some things like, like look at NVIDIA. It's, you know, really, really pumped. Um, you know, but like, you know, how much, what, what are you going to get out of that? Like, you're going to hold that for the next 10 years and pray to Jesus. It doesn't go down and like do a dot-com bubble thing or something. Like the problem with those is that once they're so highly valued, like what are you expecting out of it? A two X like, you know, when is that going to happen? So it just becomes a much more like risky play. And there's so much like cheaper stuff in the market that'll 2x out of, you know, out of the gate. So a lot of these like Chinese names, for example, um, you know, it, it, like or Palantir, for example, there's no like these things could 2x over a period of like a couple of months. You don't have to wait a decade or some shit. Right. So like if you can get a few of these things at the right valuations, you can make money really quickly um and not have to sit in un too many underwater positions but if you chase a bunch of shit that's already run up like that's what my dad did during the dot-com bubble back in like 1999 like he was like you know buying all sorts of stuff like you know apple and he was buying all sorts of shit like but he bought it at the everything at the very top cisco systems i remember and a whole bunch of other shit and his portfolio dumped like you know 80 percent or something and he was like huh i wonder what happened it's because like he was, he got basically retail FOMO. He basically saw prices going up. He's like, Ooh, I, you know, everyone's getting rich on NVIDIA, whatever. We should have some of that. Or, you know, it was like that same mentality. And, um, whereas when I started working, um, I had a paycheck by the time those are like 2002, maybe 2002. So I was able to get the, um, right before the dot-com bubble recovered, I was able to buy, able to buy Apple stock and whatever else. So, um, you know, the timing was just perfect, but that was kind of a lesson learned from yeah, but bubbles. If you remember how these stocks rip, like, I mean, no one experienced anything yep. like that before, right? I mean, stocks could go right, up right. like uh, so, something, you know, but not like that, you know, it's like everyone. But that's what China's experiencing now, though. So, like, you know, I think if you pay attention to maybe five or 10, like, top Chinese names that maybe will come out of this alive. Like those are probably all good buys right now, probably. I, or, or you know, they might go down further, but I, like still. I, I'm know. not sure if you're aware, Sefi, but China actually has A and B stocks. So the B stocks are the only ones that are traded internationally, and the A stocks they're okay. only available to Chinese citizens. So they have a two class stock system, and um, 
It actually so the B shares are like diluted more. Now they're just or? available for international buyers. Not voting, you know. It's like a weird. System. Are they just like non-voting shares or something, or like what's the what's the main difference usually? For ah, good question. You know, I, I they think, they probably vary from company to company. Yeah, I think they're like non-voting, and also like um, like there's there's only for for companies that basically also operate outside of China as well. You know, so they have business offshore businesses. So if it is, I think a completely non-outside China company is almost uninvestable for foreigners to get a reasonable stake or any control. <laughs> I mean, look at look at Neo here, the car yeah. manufacturer. Like back in um, 2019, it was like you're talking about like a two or three dollar stock. 2020 yeah. it was like two to four dollars, and then it ran in 21 with the electric craze to like sixty two dollars at the top, and now it's at six. So this is definitely entry time for something like that. But it, at the same time, it's not a profitable company yet. The presumption is that maybe between Neo and some of these others, maybe like, you know, the Chinese government will support it, like you said, or something like that. But, you know, it's, they're still not profitable. So like, but they're, but the market cap is like still 13 billion. I, I'd say that you know, I don't know if it's worth 13 billion or not. Right now there's about 25 big brands that no one knows outside of China that produce electric cars and they're all separate manufacturers. Oh, really? Yeah, it's crazy. Of course, someone will die. There's a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot of them. But it's good for, you know. There's no guarantee that, like, is this, is Neo one of your favorites or do you have a favorite oh, in the Chinese car? Know, they're all kind of these super weird, these Chinese models, you know, they're even weirder than <laughs> what, what you get overseas, you know, they're all actually like them down like but is there one that's like yeah, they have the chinese people have gizmos, like, you know, like the they light up and, you know they look like a bloody i don't know a karaoke bar from inside <laughs> but but is there one that's like like popular among the chinese locals like they you know there's like one that is respected above the others or something you know how like tesla's like <laughs> no, they, the higher they, level they still, in they still like volkswagen and <laughs> toyota you know for them <laughs> this is oh they don't even want those chinese brands yet no they're okay you know but um it really i mean if it's if it's for reliability you never know you know brd when byd when they came out with the first car right they built gasoline cars right. before electric cars and it was such a piece of crap. I had a friend that bought one. It was the first one from this Shenzhen company. And all the Chinese were like, oh, we're going crazy. You know, they bought, they built the batteries for the iPhones before, right? And then they came out with their own cars. And they, were like, they, they fell apart in two years, you know? I mean, these cars, every single plastic part in the interior broke because it was such a shitty quality, for real, you know? Yeah. Uh, but you know today yeah. BRD, they actually built like super nice cars. If you look at that new thing that they just released last year it's like it got it's got this uh, combustion engine what is the brand uh, byd what? byd yeah. uh, like automotive i don't know yeah. let me see let me search them and see if i can yeah, find like a picture of a car byd cars and sedans um all of this shit looks the same for the most part yeah this looks like a hondo accord or something yeah but it, it's a really nice car um, you know i mean from from quality wise and i don't even know if you can buy the stock outside of china actually on the, from the side it looks like a it looks like a tesla for the most part yeah but it's really most of these things are not going to reinvent the wheel really like literally because the the aerodynamics has already been worked out like why, why re so most of these are ending up looking almost the same visually speaking so yeah then it becomes it becomes mostly a function of like reliability at that yeah, point. Yeah, but they got a good price point. You know, I mean, you get a a, a car with a decent 
big size battery and you also got a combustion engine so you can run combined like uh, a thousand miles with that thing with both the engine with the gas tank and the battery oh, that's impressive yeah that's it's impressive. a lot you know and, and it's not a thousand miles but i guess it's like 800 something this byd says 300 mile plus on one of these trims i'm not sure how high they go here's another 375 the flagship yeah, model fuck around with this i don't know what they're charging for this thing but now can you invest is this an investable company or is it just like in china it is, but i don't know company? in china you can buy stocks but i um, that's why i'm saying not all the companies there are all, everywhere available yeah anyway so I'm just saying they they're, they're also building stuff that the market actually demands. They're not just copying other idiots, you know. So there's some this competition brings actually some new developments, you know. So I I think mm. I think uh, one should not sleep on on these Chinese car manufacturers. This BYD is a like a OTC market class H share or some shit. It's like a yeah, BYD DF. Yeah. Um, yeah. But basically, you have no voting rights. Cap, market cap's pretty high, though. It's like $24 billion. It's a really big company. Is it really? Yeah, it's okay. a really big company. They have been big. Like, okay. It's like it's bigger. The market cap's like double Neo's market cap, yeah, yeah, as yeah. an example. But. And they're still the world's largest battery manufacturer, you know, apart from <laughs> being a car manufacturer. They just shrunk from the whole lithium market. I think they they really have... They're, they're just big, you know. I think they, they have a whole township where they that belongs to them in China. You know, it's like crazy ass how it works over there. Mm. Anyways, so that's an interesting. So, but you, you you don't know the upside. Yeah. They're already big, so you don't know how much more the stock will rise. And they're not like this kind of that's meme true. stock, right? So Neo has more of this energy in it. That thing BYD will not go away. That's like Huawei or something. Okay. Anyways. It's more of a it's more of a blue chip type yeah, of yeah, idea, yeah. but the stock price is depressed compared to history. And you know when the to the general market drops, and if you can find you can pick out the sort of like you know diamonds in the rough, so to speak, or the ones at least that are like like when I pick up Toyota for example at the bottom of the market, it was fantastic, right? Like this is an example. Blue chips that are wrecked are really very easy ones to buy, and you can buy bigger amounts of them too without like risking your money. Um, so that can, that can be nice, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's clearly some opportunities, like people are going to get very rich on like things that they discover in this like Chinese crash. It'd be no different than if you bought during the COVID crash, or if you bought during the, uh, the, uh, the crash of, uh, the dot-com bubble or whatever, you know, so these, these, these bubble crashes in different countries. Now you may have to wait a while. Like you might have, you might be stuck with that position for years or whatever for it to really do well. But a lot of times these things bounce off the bottoms pretty well because, um, like, you know, it's panic selling to some extent. And you'll oftentimes see some panic buying at the bottom. Yeah, and sometimes well. it's just institution have to liquidate because they're out of money, right? It's also with these bigger, bigger things, it's just like someone has to sell. They're just forced to do it because they're short cash and some other end, right? Whoever in this <laughs> someone posted colin posted um just he tweeted like for the dimension uh ticker you know we were talking about dimension here um by the way my position on that um i bought it at like i don't know maybe three to four bucks and it's at like 594 right now he was posting like um like what do you say okay like the unbonded portion currently is like 94 percent of all the dimension out there and there's like six percent that's bonded so there's like 
nothing keeping people from dumping on uh dumping on newbies or whatever so i think it'll run and like you'll get some dumping on people at some point i i would buy more i would buy more if it comes back down to three or four dollar range myself i think that did you did you pick up some already? No, well, I I got uh, two hundred in the airdrop. What about you? I imagine you had a megalithic amount if you looked. Um, I didn't check. Um, what? This is what for the Adam Adam holders or who? Yeah, Adam Adam stakers, and then there were a few other things on there too. I don't think you do much on Ethereum and Solana, but you stake a lot of Adam. You should have gotten like a a real whopper if you had just but gone to claim it. And I remember sharing the link to you and is that other still people. available or is it clo- is it closed now i don't remember i think it's closed because you would have had to have connected and chosen like an ethereum address that you would collect with because when they launched the mainnet they just used the same address as like whatever your ethereum address was that you oh, used for claiming so when kind of like with the when luna 2 spun up and you already had a balance it's like that and so yeah 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 but uh but yeah when was a snapshot for it? but thank you though because i have some of yours i have some of your dimension because the dimension that wasn't claimed was reallocated so some tiny percentage <laughs> just like every, everybody on earth is breathing breath that somebody else lived like i'm enjoying your dimension right some fractional amount of your dimension um and nice I, nice uh but yeah i got 200 and some people were getting like thousand or whatever but uh i just went and staked like 200 and I've got like 10, 10 left over to, to do whatever with on chain. And right now the chain is really bogged down. It's showing something like a 93% APR or something like that for staking because of all the transactions and weird things happening. So, um, yeah, I didn't like, I, I basically just bought a little bit at like, I don't know, three ish, three to four bucks. I don't know what it was. And it's doing fine right now. And I just figured like, you know, it was just a quick gamble. I was going to basically double my money or something and then dump it into. You're close. Know, you're real. You're close. Well, you're close I'm to having doubled it. it. You, you might as well. It's, it's yeah, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting close. Yep. Um, I am about, yeah, if it goes up by like a buck or something, I'll have doubled it. Six was, uh, was about basically uh, planning on converting it. Uh-huh, go ahead. Oh, six was about the most optimistic like price that I heard people talking about. Um, from the beginning. Mm. And then I think low, you know, like a three, if it got below three, I'd be a little bit surprised. That'd be a good buying opportunity because everyone's looking for, a lot of people missed, a whole lot of people missed um, Celestia, including myself. And people who had gotten the Celestia and bought some early and staked it, like did extraordinarily I, I well. Celestia at the very open and um, pretty much like two and a half X didn't got out pretty much. Yeah. So, but a lot of people that know some of the money I, that was some of the money I bought a Zephyr with when it was at six bucks. But Celestia stakers were getting like Dimension airdrops. They're getting like all I think alt airdrops. Right. They're getting all kinds of other airdrops, and and that's like a base oh, layer yeah. technology. But Dimension is one of the first chains to actually launch with with Celestia's technology, and it's got they've got like hundreds of little dinky little roll up apps that were already in the test net, like between NFT programs and DeFi programs and. Um, casino games and, and crypto games and stuff like that. So there's all these little ecosystem already there that can move over to mainnet potentially and give people stuff to do with their dimension. And then people are figuring if you stake dimension, it, people are kind of going to be con- competing for TVL by giving out airdrops. And it's, you know, uh, that's kind of the way to get people um, now their attention for, for locking and staking. So 
it could be a good play to uh, to stake a mm-hmm. bunch of dimension for the future. But you know, if you're if you're up as high as you're up, and you want to just sell some and then wait for a dip or something like that, that's probably what I'd do. But I, I, I'm trying to get some dry powder in case the price goes down a bit more. I think this is going to be nice and volatile and. Um, I think it is going to be fruitful to stake something. Yeah, I'm looking at the, um, so the dimension price on osmosis at the moment is reading seven bucks. So um, maybe I should trade out of the stupid thing. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, it seems like an easy, um, an easy 2x and I'm just like, you know, then not worry about it at all. Yeah, or if you if you sold it, you'd practically have even if you did nothing else besides like sell half of it, then you would have gotten all that dimension for free, basically. That's a good point too. It's a good point. Um, yeah, like just de-risk the position, sell half, and go back to Adam with it. Yeah, you could. Not a bad plan. Not a bad plan. Then run the rest of it. Um, yeah, let's do that. It's. Um, or do you think it's too early? Like, I think a lot of people probably haven't bought their dimension to stake yet. And I think people are like in this mode of like not giving a shit what the market cap is. I think I'll give it a few days. I'm going to, I'm going to leave this alone a bit. And the reason is because like people just, they go to the coin market cap, they go to whatever. There's not, it doesn't show you the actual market cap numbers yet. And people can't be bothered to calculate what the fuck the real, you know, like FDV actually is, even though it's a patently absurd. Um, in fact, it's absurd here, but like, who cares? I think the thought is like, just hold on and wait, give it a couple of days and then sell. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's up to you. And you've got the longer experience on this sort of thing than I do. That's for sure. I'm just guessing anyway. It's like, it's just pure gamble. Like now it's like a definitive two X from here on out. It's just greed talking uh, pretty much. <laughs> like, that's the experience. <laughs> It's pure guessing. I don't have any clue, but like this is just how these things usually go because it takes a few days for people to realize uh, what they have. But the also you get you wind up getting like airdrop dumpers too, right? So there's that. Crowd. Oh, so many, so yeah, many people got this stuff. Is. It's a thing, yeah. But I think there will be willing hands. I think you'll see willing hands coming and, and snatching it up again from people who missed the the full celestial play. Hmm. But when it's go, once it goes down, once the excitement dies down a little bit, I think you'll see um, a nice bottom formed, maybe about half of where we are. <clears throat> and, and for people who do want to take it and stake it, people like Don Kryptonium, who's talking about, remember, if you've, if you've got a lot of dimension, split into multiple wallets and stake it, so you're better positioned for airdrops and stuff. So Yeah, I didn't, buy, I didn't get so much of this <laughs> that it's like, you know, I'm worried about staking it and figuring out airdrops and all that nonsense. It's like, I don't really feel like bothering with it, honestly. Um, it, it's like there comes a point where these little micro buys become sort of, I don't know, like unless you're really chasing every, like you're really trying to squeeze all the juice out of the orange or whatever um, to do all that stuff. But I'm not sure I want to really mess with all of it. Um, just for the sake of like my sanity running around with all these different wallets and things, but <laughs> it's whatever. Oh yeah, my taxes look as bad as they've ever been for this next time. When I know I <laughs> keep trying to, keep wanting to, I keep wanting to simplify, but because I got I got so hurt by doing my taxes these for the last two years that uh, I, I was like gun shy, and there were a lot of good opportunities I let pass me by because I'm like I don't want to worry about another chain, like I don't want to 
think about another chain and it, it just led me to be so defensive and protective, not about losing money, but about how long it's going to take me <laughs> to do my taxes. Uh, yeah. And I, and I've started to get in, into some better plays by moving out of that mindset. But I know that I've got the Piper to pay now and I don't know what that's going to look like. It's just the worst. Osmosis, it will, um, like you can connect coin lead osmosis. So that helps to some, some extent. Um, but yeah, it's still a bit of a mess. This is interesting. Uh, oh, Ford today. Texas, Maxi, I figured it. Um, so you yeah. have to write to the support and they have to email it to you, the exports for the entire year, right? There's no other way. Yes. Oh, lovely. Yeah. No, there's a, no, there's a button <laughs> at the top. No, there's no, a button at the top. Work. There's a section, does, Noob, uh, in Maxi's menu no, that but, you can download the. You can, but it doesn't eat it. You know, the file has a, a wrong format. The thing that you can download doesn't actually compute for Coinly, but if you ask them, they give you a it nice worked. formatted file. It worked for me. It worked for me. It did? Uh-huh. I was able to export the one that's on the website. You have to go well, into the, the two sections. You you click the wrong button. There, there's another, yeah, there's a different report. Um, you have to follow the instructions explicitly on Coinly's website to go to the exact spot to get them. Like, it's a very exact um, thing. But I know what you're talking about. There's a place where if you just oh, do a report, it's the wrong format. You know, there's actually the, 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 the problem was the trade sheet didn't import. The deposits, that sheet worked. But the trade okay. sheet where you actually have all the fees yeah. and all that. So you push that the, yeah, you push the wrong button. There's just a different spot you have to do that. I did that mistake. No, with, um, with KuCoin, my pain, my pain was that there were like eight or nine different reports that I had to find to try to cobble together to get a picture of what I actually on earth I've been doing on KuCoin. And I'm yeah. worried that Mexi is going to be kind of like that, but you're, you're kind of keep it simple guy. You're, you're only doing spot. Whereas I'm screwing around with different so levels of leverage, in, trying to figure Mexi, out what I can do. So the Mexi, the futures section, um, that is just a separate download. So it's pretty straightforward. It works. Just use Coinly's directions. Exactly. That's all you have to do. Like just don't try to veer from them and think, you know, better. Just go literally line by line on Coinly's instructions. You'll get exactly what you need. Um, Fair that. enough. Yeah, that's works. better than KuCoin because there was nothing about KuCoins except people screaming into the void. There was no help even <laughs> with what <laughs> supposedly the reports that you could import into uh, Coinly. They just didn't. They didn't work, and it would make really bad uh, <laughs> guesses. <laughs> really, really bad guesses. Uh, but anyway, Maxi was pretty fast. I had the reply the same day. Here's a here's a stock that's probably going to run here. Um, Ford beat quarter four revenue and um, topped expectations um, for whatever reason. Um, Ford's earnings per share was twenty nine cents versus thirteen cents expected. So my Ford shares are going to moon here pretty soon. So it has a little bit of like six percent up in after hours, but I suspect it will pop tomorrow. Uh, usually these things will run for a few days after like a solid, um, how much is that F-150 now in the U S I don't know. I've never, like, I haven't bought a Ford, (laughs) but like, like I got this stock just because like, mm, it had, it's price exposure, right? Yeah. Well, it's just one of these things, like all of these things were like crushed in the, in the high interest rate environment. And so the stock prices were crushed, expecting terrible everything. And it turns out the earnings are not as terrible as you might expect. Mm. And their dividend mm-hmm. yield, even at this price, is like, I think it's like 5% or something. So it was not a bad um, thing to just own for the dividend. So I just bought some because I just bought everything. 
And, um, but now that it's going up, like I'm sort of vindicated as far as like, cause I think I was in the red a little bit on this one. Um, in fact, let me check. Like I was, let's kind of see what happened with my Ford here. Like I bought it. At, I, yeah. I think I was down a bit and I was expecting to have to make it back in dividends over a couple of years. But, um, now that the price is going up yet, um, I'm only down on the total position minus 1%. And, um, yeah, so in fact, I think I'm going to get a little bit more. Um, I'm just going to just put an after, like an after hours, um, order in because I think it's probably going to run tomorrow. It's a pretty good likelihood of that. Yeah, I'll just kind of add a healthy amount to it. Um, cuz I don't think anyone was expecting them to do that well. <laughs> so, it'd probably be fine. Anyway, uh Muhammad, do you have a comment or something from anything? You're waiting, you had your hand up or whatever. Yes, happy. How are you guys on? Yes, really interesting to like uh, hear your voice. Like every time when I uh, be in your like a uh, space, I learn new things then. So, uh, the my question was like uh uh, as you are talking about the stock, so anything that is related to batteries, because the uh, nuclear Mahama, can you hear anybody? batteries can you hear? are going. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I can hear you. No, I can, can hear. hear uh, I'm not sure what happened to him. Uh, like I can't hear his voice. Thing has to come back. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I can tell you what he says. <laughs> okay. Translate. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. He's coming back in a minute. Oh, oh, he didn't like that idea. <laughs> it's like, um, he wants to go back and forth like that. Um, give me one minute. Okay. Here he's coming back. Um, so yeah, you're, you're going to play the whole dimension airdrop game. Are there some special ones that you're looking out for or just whatever, just no idea. Whatever random crap people bless me with, you know, whatever yeah. people want to bestow me with. And then I'll probably just sell that <laughs> as much of that as I can mercilessly sell whatever that is mm. and never look back. <laughs> Someone's like only bad kids fud their own bags. <laughs> um, let's see here. Yeah, the osmosis price of dimension was actually too high compared to some other places. Um, so actually grin, what I did just now is I went ahead and cause it's like $6 on coin gecko, but it was like seven twenty on, um, osmosis. So I did what you said is basically sold half of it and, um, basically got my original cash back and then the rest of it, I'll just let it sit and ride. So if it pumps like TR or whatever, and does a 10 X, I'll make pretty good money either way. Otherwise, there's no risk one way or the other. So there you go. I took some. Fire. What was your pathway? What was your pathway to take it to dimension to osmosis? Like I don't know where the bridging is for this token, or how did um, you get it in? I, it might be. I'm not sure if there's a bridge out of dimension. Let me see if there's a withdrawal button here. Yeah, it it'll it'll withdraw to dimension, I believe. Um, but I just I just used some atom on osmosis and swapped it to dimension this morning. Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay. Um, like I didn't go. To, I'm not sure what other dexes have it, or there's some centralized exchanges that have it too, Binance and KuCoin. But I didn't. Bother so that's that's where you got it in the 
That's where you got it in the first place. Was yeah, made on Cosmos. Place. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. it was fine. So you can get it on Osmosis now if people want to play with it, but I don't know. It's I've already two X'd on the thing, and I'm not recommending anyone do anything with this thing. Do your own. I no longer have access. I, I didn't think about looking at Osmosis versus the 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 sexes. I um I no longer have any access to like Binance or KuCoin or anything like that. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's nowhere where I can arbitrage it. But they're kicking everyone off. You you can make like a fake KYC. Um, you know, use a fake KYC. Um, what do you call it? Um, like ID if you want. That's another option. Have AI make you a fake ID. There's a website for that now. Very funny stuff. I saw I saw that article. It was very <laughs> alarmist. The guy was like, oh, I just broke all KYC for all exchanges everywhere. It's all a sham. But like, actually, it's a problem with probably a, a bunch of investment classes, not just uh, foreign KYC for crypto, which is still very niche when you think about everything that you could possibly do with a false ID. And the, the scarier implications are if somebody took somebody's like legitimate, like a uh, driver's license number or social security number or or whatever, right, and then had somebody make show. up a fake ID. Yeah, right. grafted their own picture and stuff on it, and then use yeah, that to pretty, run a market in the Americas. Pretty easy to do, quite frankly. But yeah, um, uh, Muhammad, you're going to say something. Maybe I can hear you now. Let's yeah. see. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. What, oh, what okay, you... perfect. So yeah, I was like uh, asking like uh, about the shares. Like, uh, do you have any any company that is relevant to uh, batteries? Because you know the the batteries nuclear batteries are going to be the future you know as the Nuc nuclear it, batteries yeah yeah probably there there is a you know kind of eco in the in the uh the world that the in a future nuclear batteries are going to be the future yeah but do you have some investable company already for that no it's, it's a china chinese basically uh they they basically showcase a small battery i think so a couple oh of yeah but i don't think there's anything like nobody's making a product you can buy the stock in right now so yeah, any yeah. company that that basically you know you you think that would small be, scale uh, small scale nuclear batteries have been used in satellites and other like space technology since like the Voyager spacecraft way back in the seventies or whatever. So that's not really new, new. But like they're looking at creating some maybe some uh, like practical commercial long term applications. I saw the article you're talking about, um, but I'm not sure that there's anything investable yet, like a company that you can buy a stock in or something. So. And nothing, nothing that I'm aware of. You could do some yeah, research that, that, to find out. Yeah, see if there is a stock that could be a very, you know, that could that could be a very powerful stock. So, and uh, well, and the thing is, nu nuclear materials are only available to certain types of companies. So, um, it's like a highly regulated, like obviously space because of the um, all of that. So, I'm not really sure. Like, it, you'll know it if some companies are going into this stuff. But I would think that the first people that would be building stuff like that would be defense um, contractors. Mm, that would be things like Lockheed Martin and um, Raytheon and people like that. Um, but most of those things, you're not getting exposure to just that particular technology or you're, you know, you're getting exposure to all the technologies they build essentially. Um, so I don't know, like a pure play where you can just invest in that one thing. I'm doubtful that will exist because more than likely, some random company is not going to get access to nuclear materials for um, to do these kinds of projects. Is my the biggest issue is 
is, is if you if you need a certain amount of wattage to run something, right? You need a decent yeah. amount of material as well to last you for X years. So I mean, yeah, these just, are sort of like lower wattage type products. Um, like think about it's, it's like the complete activity that you you you're gonna be able to purchase as a retail person. You know, they're not gonna let you purchase like a I don't know like a hundred thousand gigabacker of yeah, you have, have hundred thousand battery for your robot. For your, no, for it's your... just too dangerous. You know, if you crack it open, you poison the entire neighborhood with radioactivity. You know. Oh yeah, that's a good point. I don't know how like how how secure those things are from a, that perspective. Yeah, that that is a potential, you know, threat that you know the the, the radioactivity is, is a kind of concern if it explodes, you know, radioactivity spill. So, yeah, that could be a but 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 if if we talk about the future, so probably you know you never know. It's like Elon Musk can do anything, man. Yeah. Anyway, we we can't buy them now, so it's probably not worth worrying about at the moment. <laughs> so. Um, yeah. Okay. And uh, anything uh, like uh, any specific app that you'd uh, like. Uh, talk about so we can buy shares with a very less you know paying the fee any any specific yeah like which type? country are you in uh right now i'm in canada right now canada mm, i'm not sure if fidelity is in canada or not is it it's it's in canada yeah so yeah, fidelity is usually free free trades and whatnot pretty solid um app and security and like tax documents and all that shit uh, is quite good. So that's usually what I recommend to people. And then as far as like finance apps, I think Yahoo Finance is one of the best because it tends to be the least biased in terms of like its news reporting and shit. CNBC is too leftist and whatnot. So they tend to like favor leftist type companies, which can wreck you bad. What will happen is you'll buy it thinking, oh, it's an amazing whatever. And then it's actually just being pumped sort of because like, it's the wish list of, you know, MSNBC or whatever to like make those things do well. So there's a tendency to bias. Political bias gets injected into the financial reporting pretty badly on CNBC and um, some of these other types of like CNN money and shit like that. So fuck that. Like Yahoo money, I think is a little bit more neutral on the whole. So that's what I would use as like yahoo.finance.yahoo.com is sort of like pretty good to follow um and then like their phone app is quite good if you're into stocks and things because you can just just add the everything that you think is interesting to that and then you can it gives you in limited numbers of like alerts so you can just set some alerts at support prices or something you're like you know what i'm gonna put like 50 things on my watch list and i'm only gonna buy the stuff that hits my alerts and that way you you get stuff when they're down or whatever um so yeah, that's like, and then you can, it'll show you like dividend rates and all that stuff. So that's a good app. Um, Yahoo, I mean, sorry, Fidelity has a lot of that data also, but it's sometimes easier if you're simply like, it's smoother and faster if you're just looking for a little bit of data to use Yahoo Finance, because like you can get a little bit of news reporting, earnings reports and all that stuff show up for you for free. Works pretty well. So anyway, um, Chugga, what are you up to today? I've uh, just finished my day. Uh, been doing some landscaping work. Yeah, been in the gym. So I just okay. thought I saw saw you saw you uh, in, a, in a space. You're you know, keeping uh, your you're keeping your house in line outside. Uh, yeah, I've been meaning to do it for. Uh, well, I've been waiting for rain basically, and not it being sub zero temperatures. So uh, <laughs> I've been out there just digging holes essentially. To I've got two dirt mounds that need to basically be re 
put into the ground. So I'm just doing that before I get an excavator out there and then concreting most of the back. And then I'll uh, I'll do some paving myself for a bit of fun. Okay. Gonna like do some little home improvement shit, huh? Well, I want a, I want a barbecue area more than anything, and I'm getting an outdoor projector probably in the next year or so. So it just I want it. I I want to have a good barbecue area this year. An outdoor uh, projector, really? Yeah. You're gonna yeah, use it not? enough to like. Uh, I don't know. You're gonna use it enough to matter. I have yeah. an projector, and I use it a modest degree, but like not enough to make it worth putting something outside. Jeez. Well. Uh, in, it gets quite hot in the UK to a point where I could, like, at, at night, as in humid, to a point where I could probably sleep outside if I really wanted to in, in my hammock. Uh, so I could put the hammock okay. on, put the projector on, me and the dog yeah. just sleep outside. Like, you know. Okay. Yeah, if you do that regularly, but you have to move this projector indoors, like, between nope, I'll pieces, build, right? No, I'll build a, um, uh, well, I build say I'll build something. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I'll just build an airtight container and just, like, feed the electric Rocket. through. Yeah, lock it. I mean, they wouldn't even need to lock it. No one's going to get into my garden because it's there's like six or seven houses between me and anyone being able to jump a fence. So if yeah, it's very unlikely anyone's going to oh, go really? into my back garden. Yeah, like you're like in a corner somewhere with like cul-de-sac. Uh, no one ever comes and messes around near your house. Just a cul-de-sac, I'd say, is the best way of describing it. Hmm, okay. Just off of a motorway as well, so it's yeah, it's, it's very unlikely or a highway, you'd call it. Just, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very unlikely I'm going to run into any trouble. Okay, good. Plus, I have a big wolf-looking dog. I'm, I'm pretty sure the minute they see them, they're going to be like, no, no. And all he'll want to do is jump up at them and give them hugs and love them. But they're going to look at him like, no, you're an evil motherfucker. Yeah, They're, they're going to be scared of him. Yeah, okay. You've got a plan all laid out. That's good. Um, just as I go along. How about you? What have you been up to today, big man? Oh, just bought some Dimension this morning. Uh, oh. d- doubled the bag on that in a few hours and then sold um, half of it after Grin's like, yeah, get rid of half. So I was like, all right, fine. So I got rid of half of it. So now I have like my position to ride to Valhalla and the rest of it, I'll just leave alone. Um, and see nice, how good. So it's, it's a chain that just opened up on like, it's a Celestia sort of parallel thing. And it just opened up two day and was available on like Binance and here and there and everyone just aped into it basically like pumping the coin. So it opened today and Binance listed it. Yeah, I mean they've got like uh VC backing and whatever. So you have like it it listed early on both KuCoin and Binance. It just seems weird that projects like Trez that have been around for a while. Uh and there was there was a couple more as well that should have been on Binance. No, they they only go to bigger exchanges if people pay the listing um fees or supply liquidity so like yeah i mean if you got like five million dollars and you can pair that with your coin then you'll get immediate listing if you don't have a bunch of initial cash then no then you won't so the key with these is like vcs will typically um provide that money assuming that like their chain is important enough that they feel like it's going to pump real hard and they can sell their investment for much higher so it's worth it to them to get it listed everywhere because that's just a cost of doing business it'd be like the cost of advertising cost of liquidity provision is kind of a thing um surprise people want to list on binance with everything going on right now but eh, what do i know yeah i mean well i mean um yeah listings keep coming out it's kucoin and binance whatever but then the other big news is today that xmr got delisted yesterday from um 
Binance, um, the privacy token. Yeah. So that impacts, um, well, it impacted the price pretty negatively. It dropped from 100 and $65 or so all the way down to about 100 and then found a bid. Now it's at 104.8. Sounds like a deep dump wick. I get that, but you'd think it would go a lot lower if Binance are delisting it. Like yeah, usually when Binance delists something, it goes down was, to like... Yeah, XMR was this low at about 98 um, at the bottom in 2022. It was also took a dive to this approximate level, about 125 in mm. May 2021. So it caught some bids somewhere on some exchange. Um, and it's interesting that they're having to take it off their exchange because Kraken still has it and it's in, it's inside the United States. So I got to go right now. It'll be because of the SEC shit. No, like, no, no, no. Privacy, this is more, no, this is a FinCEN type of thing. This is a financial crimes type. Like it could have been like Interpol or who knows who. So okay. SEC is about securities only. It's not about um, privacy tokens and crimes and stuff like that. But it, um, it could be though that the SEC have something that they could potentially throw in at Binance and they're just trying to, you know, cross the, no, no, SEC doesn't have any jurisdiction over Binance. They, they don't have anything to do with that. Um, they have jurisdiction when Binance like had Binance USA or if Binance was trying to sell shit to us customers. But as far as like anything further, like they don't have a lot of say there. So it's the crimes question because privacy, you know, you can do crimes with privacy things. Yeah. yeah. And where did that money come from? There's no paper trails. That's where they get into issues but anyway like i think monero could represent some good buys um if you have an exchange that has it over the course of the next month or so um you could probably dca into this one and um it's still a good coin and everything um but its market cap took a little bit of a, a beating today so it's probably down to like oh. two bill market cap now i think so yeah it lost 30 percent of it. it's got like 33 percent it's yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's i would expect so so got up to ass kicked a little bit, but it had a great chart up until that point, putting in higher lows over a year. And it's got like all of its coins are mined, only tail emissions remain. So like tokenomics wise, it's good. And then with like, we were talking about how Zephyr Swap is coming out by the end of the month and that'll have the ability to transact in Monero. And with Binance not open, that's like really bullish for Zephyr and it's bullish for um, the new uh, DEXs that are going to have both Monero and Zephyr. And the possible DEXs that might do that are, of course, ZephyrSwap will. That's the one that's coming soon. I've, yeah. Uh, Zeph God down below said there's going to be a white paper on the 8th regarding um, the technological strategy or whatever for the ZephyrSwap uh, mechanism. So you'll be able to read that. But the other thing that's coming out is the um, Sarai, which is another DEX, was looking at incorporating Monero as well. So I think. Um, you know, you might see some price recovery. There will always be people on Binance that are just purely on Binance. They're going to dump the coin. They're not going to come back to the coin. But yeah. that also represents like the weak hands who've been eliminated. And, um, you know, it could represent a good buy um, as it bottoms out because like, you know, the, the non-serious people are gone. And the people that really want Monero for the utility are going to be buying the bottom, essentially. And it also brings a lot of traffic to the new decks, which could be really, really good. So existing Monero users might discover Essentially. they're going to they're going to discover as the SD and they're going to maybe swap over there. Similar to how like people started using ThorChain a lot more now. Uh, I think people this is a real driving force for using. I, I thought the reason people started using ThorChain is because Bruce launched a campaign against Rune and just kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. And then all of a sudden no, people no. like, 
No, runes, runes traffic increased a lot. The actual usage of the chain, not the rune price. Okay, the usage of the decks that it increased a lot over the last year. So people are moving to dexes even for um mined tokens, UTXO type tokens and yeah. the like. So there's been a trend towards that already after FTX and everything crashed and people lost money on their different but, accounts. Isn't it also because of airdrops? A lot of dexes keep giving out airdrops and it seems to be airdrop season at the minute. Like uh I know my mate I don't so know. I, I'm part of a P2E like obviously when pay to earn was a thing there's about six of us in there and he did a lot of juniper trades uh on the juniper decks on sol i think it was juniper and um yeah he, he gets something like 300 dollars a month in airdrops just randomly and they're all legit he, he trades them out but it's just yeah he's just he doesn't he doesn't know how he got i think he set up a um a, a bridge or liquidity bridge on there and he like for 20 bucks <laughs> he's just he just rakes in the money every month from it and uh yeah and i think a lot of dexes are giving away airdrops now and it's obviously if they are giving away airdrops obviously dexes are going to be used a lot more because people are thinking of free money aren't they but it's uh, there was another one as well uh there's a there's a trading event via um do you know trust wallet Mm-mm. Uh, so trust wallet is, really use, is a binance. Don't really use binance smart chain stuff at all really well it, it's not it's not it's, it's just a binance product it's, it's yeah not, uh, it's like a metamask uh, wallet yeah it can do everything yeah 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 essentially it's just yeah it's just it, it's just your own personal wallet on your phone basically sure uh, yep. and, or whatever and yeah and they're doing a dex i can't remember what the name is where if you do swaps between i think it's trx and via this is via the evm and if via this dex you you put in for like a chance of winning 15 grand or 20 grand every day or something like that and it's like this is the, it, it's a great way to get people to actually use dexes it really oh, is putting in like a like a lottery it's not a lottery it's uh, it's a leaderboard so however much you swap and you okay. just keep swapping i guess <laughs> but then They're like incentivizing trading basically yeah, yeah which is probably the best way of doing it um Let's see what else uh, is happening market-wise today. So we have like, um, I'm not sure if we're there yet, but um, Kajira has been sitting at like fib level, rounding the bottom here, and um, it's been putting in kind of like seven days worth of um, sort of flattening of its price. It's at 320 right now. Its high was about 554, and I think relative to a lot of other Cosmos chains, they're the better product. Like there's a lot of stuff like injective and neutron and stuff, and you can't do shit on any of those chains yet. Kajira has a definitely better product compared to most of those. And um, like so far at least. And um, so I think Kajira's time has come to sort of run. Um, I was also looking at um, like injective's chart looks pretty toppy, um, but holding so far, it probably needs a serious consolidation through the rest of the year. Um, neutrons might be the exact same story. Um, it's basically pulled back to a dollar and there's a fib level right there, um, approximately on my chart. And, um, so it's, it's kind of like retracing a bit and probably can pull back a little further as well. Um, so there's, uh, but neutrons kind of like an atom side chain for now. And, um, I originally bought it at like 40 something cents, I believe. 
it's now at a dollar. It ran to about a buck seventy. Um, so it needs to. I think it could definitely retrace quite a lot. Um, its volume has fallen off a lot, especially on Binance, and that usually means either a big move up or a big move down, one of the two. Um, so I think the entire altcoin space, like Total Three, is basically waiting to declare itself. Um, you're going to know pretty quickly whether everything takes a dump or everything just starts to launch again. Um, is this truly the disbelief phase right before the a big bull market? Or is this like, you know, <laughs> is everything just going to nuke and correct? Um, and, the, and a true bull market doesn't necessarily start till 2025. That's the big question. So the big thing is like, do, are we going to have like a 2016 type year? where the happening year is like just a big pump, or are we going to wreck everything right now and then um, correct and then um, run maybe out into 2025? Um, hard to say. And I think people are also waiting on the BTC um, situation to sort of clarify because of the dumping from um, Grayscale initially and then subsequently the Genesis dumping as well. Um, and all of that leads to kind of this flat period one argument could be that if btc just runs continually flat that all coins do in fact run and um, we get another leg up on everything um i think the bellwether here just like it was for last um like in october i think the reality is if quality runs which i think like highest quality one of the highest quality projects in crypto bar none is Chainlink. um there's like almost no comparison really in terms of quality and um, if it runs here in the next three months and hits all-time high, then I think you can expect the rest of the altcoin space to do the same. And I think within the next, really the next few weeks, I think within February, if you see Chainlink run to 32, I think the entire space will probably start to rip as far as well, altcoins. That's my The story. pattern is 60 days after the halvening, altcoins tend to run. I personally don't see 2025 as going to be a bullish year for everyone like that so this, this is my prediction of what's going to happen i think we're going to see some major traction this year going up to christmas mm -hmm. february but I, I think it's going to be propped up by asia mainly china and i think what you're going to see in february is china's going to dump they're going to dump fucking hard and they're going to leave the rest of the world the west world who are all sitting there going yeah it's a bull market holding the bag and obviously when china dump and by china you're mostly talking about hong kong and stuff but hong kong is sort of wrecked right now as far as stock market too already yeah one could argue but, that the reason why things aren't rising very much right now is because of that possibly already like i'm not I sure china has any more money to dump on anybody <laughs> like China's I honest, good. yet they're just not opening the doors yet, but I don't think it's the Chinese people. I think the Chinese government are going to be the ones accumulating and accruing, and they're going to be the ones dumping on people. Personally, that's what I think is going to happen. It would be the smart play for China to do because they can prop up the market. They can, you know, FOMO the shit out of it, dump it, and then make a massive profit off the West and just laugh about it. Oh, why, yeah. why wouldn't the, they do it? Like, as in the national actors are going to do crypto plays? I don't know. I'm not sure. National. I don't see like, why, don't see why they their have treasury a gigantic wouldn't. amount of liquidity to deal with. So the, the the crypto space is still small potatoes for national actors for the most part. It's very trillions. Tr trillions of dollars are still trillions of dollars. No, nah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's 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 minuscule in the grand scheme of things. Oh, considering how much of the world they own, yeah, true. But it's still more, my, isn't it? My point is like nation nation state level liquidity will pump the market instantaneously. There's not even a like. 
you know, so it's not as easy as it sounds to do that kind of thing. Uh, then, you know, people have people we'll have speculated see. that nation state actors have been playing this game already. It's Korea, North Korea, South Korea, whatever. Um, that people are already in the crypto markets playing, um, but there's very little like proof exactly of who is doing what precisely. Um, at least, at least on like open proof that you know they're advertising or something. Anyway, um, but uh, like quite a few charts have that kind of same pattern. This like essentially inverse head and shoulders type of pattern that looks really bearish but at the same time that sometimes can be just like um it's just too obvious like there's been times where in uh like 2020 and stuff where you'd have these kind of patterns like bart patterns and inverse head and shoulders and then like things would just run afterwards um so you can't really be sure that's why it's always dangerous trading with leverage and stuff because the chart can look really really phenomenal but then, um, or look like it's going to go a certain direction, but then doesn't. <laughs> so that's where like people get wrecked, but that's where the market is now. It's kind of like, mm, on the one hand, you have a bullish year with happening and everything coming and no obvious negative catalyst for the crypto space. On the other hand, you have these hideous looking altcoin patterns playing out, um, outside of a few, few coins, like, you know, sort of like the some of the best looking charts are the ones that have like peaked in October and have retraced a lot. Um, classic example of that's going to be the Zephyr chart. It's a classic crypto chart, actually. And it's like at a reasonable price where um, one can, you know, get good entries. And then there's like something like Chainlink, which is sort of broken out, but has a lot of upside remaining both on the BTC chart and on the dollar chart. So. Um, you know, another one might be Rune, for example. Rune already pulled back from like 740 uh, all the way down to about 385. And it was the other one that ran like right along the time Chainlink did. So it's had time to retrace a little bit and uh, put in a half decent looking, like kind of bull flag looking thing. Um, so Rune's another one that could theoretically run. Um, Rune, you'd probably get like a higher... Um, multiple because like if rune goes back to all-time high you're talking about like a 5x whereas if link goes to all-time high from here you're talking about a 3x um so that's kind of the gamble essentially on the other hand um if rune drops um it could drop to as low as probably like 10 274 which is the next fib down Whereas um, Chainlink's next fib down is only, um, it's at like fifteen eighty, and we're at eighteen dollars. So the downside risk here for Chainlink is less. The downside short-term risk is higher for um, higher for Rune. But on the other hand, if everything goes up, Rune's going to give you a better multiple. It's kind of how you want to think about that. Anyway, um, so it depends on your your tolerance but either way it's a gamble in the sense that like if you pick the wrong one you, you just get less upside um if we go up if you pick the wrong one you get more downside on the way down but if you're going to hold anyway it may not matter but just like from a buying decision perspective i would say like if you want the most um chart that's pulled back the most it's clearly zephyr at this moment um there's some others like this too um but of the ones I have actual like reasonable conviction in, um, that has a good chart at this point. Um, 
other things like fetch and whatnot, they have rolled over quite a bit and done kind of like inverse head and shoulders type of appearance. So they look pretty bearish, but that could also mean that like, you know, it's too obvious and it's just so such an obvious bearish chart that um, people will be like, fuck it, I'm going to gamble on this because I'm going to gamble the upside. So fetch, for example, is like 53 cents right now and it's um, prior high, the top of previous season was a dollar 20 so you've got like a 2x from here or more if you uh or two and a half x or something if you were if it were to run higher um that's assuming like the ai narrative even continues and it may or may not but um that's a uh, a gamble of course as well it had a little bit of a news event because it was like the company um sold to some of the original founders or something after it, it became distressed or something. so like yeah, fetch had like a news like a when was that like do you know what the, not long ago was? like a, like a couple of weeks ago like like the fetch company was running mm-hmm. out of funds or something and then they ended up selling to some of their initial founders so maybe like some of the guys who owned it actually bought it back cheaper is and they're like, still operating. Is it, is it a bullish thing or a bearish thing? I guess ultimately is the question. Well, I, I, well, I think people sold that. I think people sold that news. Like since then, they've done a little damage control to say that like their company is still doing everything that they were doing and they're still operating. Right. Um, but I, but I think people are wary of it because you know there was that weakness. You know, um, Fetch is basically it could, could, could it go for- back up. I don't know. Fetch is basically the way for AIs to communicate with other AIs or other APIs. The problem with Fetch is, guess who does all that now? Chainlink does. They have API um, connectivity and they have um, automations and other shit. So, and they certainly have CCIP for cross-chain communication of any kind you can imagine. So I think, it's uh, like, I don't know that Fetch has a use case when Chainlink exists in the world. That's the problem. So I bought it I originally think at like 40 fate, cents. Yeah. I sold it at like 70 and I'm, I'm not, I'm hesitating to bother messing with it again. Fetch uh, was like, um, I think that the concept was born out of something that, that was done on Facebook uh, sometime within the last decade where they started having little like AI chat box. And the idea was that you're going to be able to go into like, the messenger on Facebook and or, and you set like your AI to go order pizza for you and stuff. And then maybe, maybe that AI agent would go talk to another agent and, and so on and so forth. Fetch, and you'd have like a master AI me, concierge. Fetch to me seems just like, like a really fancy way of saying we just have an AP, a, a crust, like it's an API connector. It's very similar to like uh what's that company called? Um, zap zapier you know z-a-p-i-e-r zapier you know where they basically just connect this api to that api and if you have the integrations like they have an open ai integration with fetch um and then like you know if they have an integration with yahoo finance i believe is the other one they had then you could take data from yahoo finance transmit that via like the thing ask chat gpt questions about maybe price action or some shit and then send it back and maybe make a trade or something so this is kind of the theory it's like a communication protocol between things but like it's just not specific to ai though that's the problem i'm like that's cool you called it ai but like is there anything very specific about it not exactly whereas i think that that might have been different that might have been a pivot anyway it might have been a little bit of a pivot because i remember when you started talking about fetch i went to look at your website and i was looking but there's examples ai remember there was always that but they might have pivoted. well when open ai became popular they added that thing into their (laughs) ecosystem so that what happened was is like 
people are looking for open AI and crypto and stuff, and then they see fetch and then they like, you know, ride the narrative wave. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what pivots they've done or whatever. I haven't followed them for very long, but it's one thing's for damn sure. Fetch is like extremely overvalued for whatever it is. Like, you know, it's just BS numbers. So um, you just, it's a pure gamble as far as whether new users are going to care about the price of this thing, because it was purely pumping on meme alone. Nothing about the function of fetch AI requires you to have this much token. Like imagine you had a hundred thousand dollars worth of fetch token because you were gambling. You're going to use that hundred K worth of fetch token for something. Oh, hell no. So the reality is like the utility price of this thing is way lower than this for sure. Yeah, you were right. So you were like um, riding the AI wave and the crypto mm-hmm. AI companies were riding like the NV- NVIDIA wave. Right. But uh, out of all of those, Fetch seems kind of like the weak, among the weakest. And so I probably the only people who might make money off of it reliably now are people who could really just read the chart and don't even care what it is. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, as far as like, yeah, the, not yeah. not being married to this thing was what I decided. I right. was like, ah, you know, look, it's looking kind of toppy here at seven dollars, whatever. The, you know, the the chart's sort of curving, like you know, arch, arch, making a little McDonald's arch, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> Having that look, and I was like, I don't know. Like, if this was going to run exponential, it would have stayed linear on the log scale, and it didn't. And so. Once these indicators I have turn yellow, the odds of having substantial downside is usually in, enough to where I'm like, all right, whatever. I got like almost a two x, like you know, why be greedy on this thing, and sort of pulled, you know, got it, got out of it. Um, but anyway, uh, but some of those things I bought, like most of those gains, I went and took and I jumped them in Zephyr, and um, so I'm down, like you know, like because like I bought Zephyr at a higher price, and those that's down. But I was able to sort of like load up on a Zephyr bag over time with uh, a little bit of those gains. I'm comfortable with it. It's fine. Um, anyway, like, yeah, the other chart that's very, very similar to that is Injective, where it's like rolled over at the top. And now it's like, okay, is it going to find buyers to run it up again? You know, the shill cartel of Injective is going to run it to the next FIB levels of like 58 and $93. It's currently at 31 or is the risk benefit ratio on injective kind of like, you know, like the bottom of the market, the thing was like a dollar and now it's at 31. So you could argue that like, you know, most of the juice has been squeezed out of that thing as well. It just seemed to me like in a comparatively like Chainlink was the much better risk, risk return ratio as far as like safety. And so I already made some off inject. I bought injective at the breakout at 25 and I sold it at like 40 ish or something. And I'm like, whatever. I'm out of here. Like, so I, I was kind of like, you could wait for further highs and further FIB extensions, but you know, I'm not married to that one either. And the thing about layer ones is like, yeah, they could have a good shill cartel and everything, but you get to a certain level and those, the VCs are going to want to dump on you. Let's just not forget about that. Um, and things that sometimes run early before a bull run won't run during the bull run as much as people think. And so then, you know, they're just trapped holding that bag while like BTC and other shit runs. Or the other thing you wind up with is like um, L1s just become too, like like th- there's too much noise. Like, oh, Dimension's out now and oh, whatever's out. And so like people just forget about those other coins chasing the next, you know, shiny object, which I think is going to happen um, like almost surely as more chains come out. Like as all these layer ones show up, like how much money is there to go to all these different chains? Like realistically, I mean, you know, so there at some point there's like this dilution effect, I guess. 
maybe I'm right curving it too too much that maybe in a bull market maybe tons of money shows up and everything pumps I don't know I think it could pump again in the in a like a true bull market where Bitcoin has just made like a new high and it doesn't look like do things think, are stopping do you think yet. But... To, do you think injective needs to pull back before it does that though? Probably because uh, it would look a lot more attractive. Like if it did a giga pullback to like I don't know if it yeah. if it went to like five bucks again, it went crazy down. Then it starts looking super attractive in terms of ROI, right? Because like people are going to be willing to play leverage at that point. People are going to be willing to sort of like to put larger amounts in, but at these levels, I don't know like how much it's going to attract. It it, might, it's a, a little bit, it's a, it's been around for a few years now. Yeah, it didn't really do anything until this last year. I don't know why it suddenly did do everything. Yeah, it's been around I don't know why it suddenly took off. It took off suddenly. I, I, don't, like, I don't understand it, why. It, it, it started rising from January onwards. It's been in a, it's pretty much been in a relative yeah. uptrend since January, last January. And it's like, I think it had just a really good shill cartel. If that's the reason. Um, which, you yeah, know, that's there's another coin. That, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's Casper reminds me of that. Casper reminds me of that a little bit because it was one of the few things constantly going up from like the last part of the, the bear to what it seems to be this, you know, the first half of this bull market. And now it's kind of stalled out a bit and too. And pulled back a bit and yeah, as other Cas newer Casper's shinier another, things have kind Casper's of another one where what could happen is it's like it, it ran similar to chain link it basically pulled a chain link right caspa did it was the chain link of 2020 and like or 2019 and now caspa's in that basket is it possible that while everything runs that like it could retrace big time yeah it's certainly possible um volumes are down heavy and um, maybe it has a little bit more juice left in the tank or whatever, but it's quite possible that it could retrace while other things run. So definitely this type of stuff happens just because you have something that's a runner. If you've done well on it, man, like it's like at this stage, it's not unreasonable to find lower risk stuff. And that's why I think Chainlink's going to do well. The reason is because like of all the things that haven't fully like run yet, it's kind of the most legit choice and you can just, you can pretty much dump money at in it with no questions asked and you're probably going to do fine even if it takes a dip or whatever whereas a lot of these other things have like really run hard already um and if they and if they do like dump a lot you're going to lose a lot of your gains in these things i don't have any caspa by the way i'm just like saying that it's uh it's um on the other hand its chart doesn't look terrible either no it doesn't it doesn't look bad like it's still arguably in in like a a, a bullish yeah, you know. it's got a bit of a kind of a bullish flag to it pattern. It's kind of got a falling wedge, which is pretty typical of like it's more of a bullish flag, essentially, um, as opposed to like a head and shoulders where it's like now the thing is, these things can put a head and shoulders like this could be the first shoulder. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> That's the thing. Like you can have another pop and then a dip and then another pop and then then and then, and then crash. So they can go sideways for a while before they go down for sure. Um, so you never really know the you have to just people have to decide for themselves all these things you lock in uh some gains or not especially when you're when the see if you, when you notice like the people at the bottom or the miners are up big time right this thing starts yeah. to drop and guess what there's a lot of selling pressure that starts coming out of miners quit pretty fast unless you know enough miners are so hardcore into it that they're willing to ride it to you know wild 10 billion plus market caps um if that's even feasible for the season for gas I still, I think that, sure. um, I think that, you know, out of the um, injective, 
versus uh, Say. Mm. Say, I, do, I still think Say could run up more, especially since they have a narrative of um, Ethereum virtual machine parallel, parallelization, like capability rolling out sometime in the next couple of months on yeah. mainnet. They're going to be the fastest EVM that there is. And then that's going to immediately open them up to um, a lot of copy-paste protocols and stuff, like a lot it's of beta. Mar- its market cap is yeah. like um, 1.5 billion at the moment with an FDV of 6 billion. Um, yeah, how much more are they going to run? Yeah, good question. Um, but well, yeah, with, it with seems the, like Say yeah. would be the, the cheaper choice between this and Injective, probably. Uh, There's a lot of there are a lot of EVM copy paste protocols that could just pop up and start doing like DeFi, you know, the type of stuff that you see on Arbitrum and mm-hmm. Base Chain and things like that. Could just and then you also have Cosmos tokens in the mix. Injective so has a little bit I, of a different yeah. sort of profile though. Look like its market cap is 2.8 billion, but its FDV is less than that of say at only 3 billion. So like, um, Injective is a little bit more fair launched or something in this respect. So maybe. Um, and I believe it has some like burn narratives and shit, you know, communities love that nonsense. Uh, yeah. So. I, I think that a lot of, I think that a lot of the, inve- about whatever tokens were vested, a lot of them have already come to fruition. I don't think that there's much more to be dumped on our head. If, if any at all for injective, it might be more, you know, a little bit more mature of a coin, but I just think that as far as the technology and the narrative injective was billed as like the fastest, um, uh, like cosmos chain. And then say is is much faster than that. When you look at the blocks on say, like coming out, like it's going, and then they've also got the right, right. Ethereum uh, compatibility coming out, which you see everybody. Say's yeah. only negative is is the six billion FDV, pretty much. Like it's just really yeah. High but there's a if certain amount of runway yeah. before they start dumping the investors. Like I don't think they vest until the end of the year, so there could be some nice pumpage like until that point, and then I'm sure we'll start to see like selling gradually over time that that would limit how far it can go. But even with like, um, they've had a lot of NFTs minting over there, um, more so than on Injective. And there are companies like, there are probably like NFT groups that will want to like do brand extensions on to say, once it's easier for them because they won't have to learn like Cosm Wasm stuff. They'll just be able to do like their EVM um, contracts for NFTs and stuff, just like with Ethereum. I think there's going to be groups that will be that are kind of known that'll drop like extensions of their collection not to stay and stuff and give people something to do so and it'll say, be easy for people so to yeah. say effectively function like a polygon then is that what's like you know it's basically a cosmos um chain in the sense that like you can trade the token on cosmos it's not an evm native token sort of like an arbitrum or an optimism or even no, right, polygon yeah right, but right now it's all cosmos because polygon right now it's all cosmos chain. yeah but it behaves yes. like it's right on Ethereum. Like, like your usage is just with all EVM compatible coins. Yeah. But if maybe, it, like, maybe say is essentially like, um, like a polygon, essentially, but faster, or something. Well, they started and off think, as a purely as a purely Cosmos chain, you know, and then they've added the right. EVM stuff on top, and then they've parallelized it. And there's like. Um, so, but like what it they, means so, is that to the end user, it's like you could, you, you could trade like Cosmos assets or IBC assets in theory. Yes. And you could yes. trade um, Ethereum assets native. Here's the funny thing yes. though. It's like, it's getting a lot easier to do that shit with Chainlink CCIP. 
So in a way, in a, in a way, I feel like a chain's going to come out that's like, well, well, chains are already doing that. Like at least Arbitrum and Optimism and some of the other ones, um, Polygon even have all added um, CCIP to their mix. So it makes them much, much more capable in the sense that, like, let's say Kujira or any of these chains just simply add CCIP. That's a much more straightforward liquidity layer than even messing with EVM parallelization, I think. I think, say, though, EVM parallelization, what, what the benefit of that is, is that you can take a copy pasta um, like DAP, you could have it running like your front end is running. And, you know, say it takes care of EVM execution um, and it makes it easier for like apps that are already on e Ethereum to show up on say. Now, that was kind of a thing made popular by Evmos, remember? And Evmos wasn't particularly successful. I'm not sure what the appetite for that shit is exactly. Yeah, like if you're on Evmos, if you're on Arbitrum already, like why do you want this? Like, I'm not sure. Well, so the there are certain speed issues and there are certain security issues with like the L2s. I don't really think, to me, there's never been much of a difference for most functions. Like when I compare my experience on Polygon or I compare my experience on Binance Smart Chain, which was also Cosmos Tech underneath the hood, they forked. Um, both of those behave to me like Ethereum, but faster and cheaper. And when I go to like Arbitrum or Base or Optimism, I don't see like that big of a difference in my experience to say that it's important to me that it's a level two. I think as a consumer, it's not really important to me that Arbitrum is considered a level two and that it stores some of its data finality like on the Ethereum chain. Like I don't really care. But then there's like the, the, the um, I guess the technology they use to run Arbitrum and similar L2s, a lot of that is not very decentralized at all. And there's a kind of bridging risk and there's a time yeah. delay to get assets on and off. And so if you're going to do that, like to me, it's not that different to the, in my experience when I, when I bridge assets to Arbitrum and use it there versus if I can bridge to a chain like say and do EVM stuff there, um, there's not much of a difference to me. I don't care that one's a level two and that one's a level one, whichever one gives me the better experience is going to be better. And, and the, the places where Arbitrum and optimism and so on have really and the zk chain have, have all taken off is because they are fast enough and cheap enough that you could do like perps that type stuff on them you could do perps you could do fast like higher frequency trading stuff on them um and say is going to be the like basically the fastest at that so i think there's a lot of the ecosystem that still has yet to be built out but the chain was designed to be um aside from being fast it's also like a central limit order book chain thing where it's yep. meant to, 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 to be able to do the kinds of orders that you see on um, centralized exchanges where that people was the place that limits, was they place stops. It's going to be the, one of the magic pieces of say, it's like you're basically getting GMX type of activity with perps and high frequency, just like same thing with ZYDX and Cosmos. Yep. But the difference is, yes. is like the speed is supposed to be uh, a lot better so you can do a lot more like bot platforms or some other shit with it as a result of that um I, I wonder though like you know it to some extent like all these different things that are trying to bridge cross-chain assets it, I, I get this eerie feeling that Chainlink ccip obsoletes everything like maybe it but it hasn't turned on yet like it, it's not anywhere yeah. yet that i could say ccip is working and that makes this good no like there's it's, there's some smaller this... platforms that there's some smaller nft platforms and stuff where it's live where you can actually use it right now 
but um, these are Ethereum and Avalanche and other place um, things. But like the entire, the big platform, like where, you know, Arbitrum and all those things, those aren't fully live, I think. They're just more test netty. So you can't really like use all those assets yet, but that's coming quick though. It's coming quick. And someone said that they thought, and I'm not sure this is true. This is like a pure hearsay, but someone thought that it could be as early as May where some sort of DTCC integration goes live on chain. Like that'd be hella bullish if that was true. I'm not sure if that's accurate or not. Um, but the, the thing is like a lot of these integrations and things that people have done are workarounds. Um, and like you said, like Arbitrum and Optimism and such, these are very centralized systems, Polygon. You know, like they're, they're, they're like, they don't fit with the necessarily the ethos of crypto. But at the same time, there's like, closed source chains like Kujira that don't fully fit the ethos either. So it seems like there's room in the playground for everybody, like different types of um, like secondary centralizations that aren't necessarily all bad. But when you get to a point where like block space is cheap, data availability is cheap via something like Celestia, and then you have CCIP to make cross-chain asset um, deployment cheap, then it seems like we just have too many blockchains then <laughs> you know what i mean like it's just like you could have your own blockchain at that point like what, what does it matter at that point? like you could have us every every one of us could have like a cosmos side chain wouldn't that be cool <laughs> like you know like that'd be kind of the killer cosmos hub product by the way is like yeah and that's then, a little bit like what the dimension is doing a little bit because every is like it, every dap on dimension is every dap on dimension is like a is like a roll-up of some kind and so like it, it's almost, and it uses like IBC to communicate. I think when I was looking at the test net, it uses like IBC to communicate from the what does dimension. It mean to have, what to, does it mean to have a roll app? Like, what is that? It means that your app is like running and people can't see what the fuck it's doing. Is that what it is? Like, so it's behind a ZK type, you know. It's like using, it's using like the, the ZK, uh, well, it's using it. So basically like the little roll up apps are like little L2s on top of dimension. And so they can customize their behavior um, and structure their data in a different way, but then they'll finalize onto the dimension chain somehow. So each, so each little, at, each little, each little the, dap is like its own roll-up. I'm looking at their uh, docs and it's like, there's a learn section and it's like, they have a front-end thing, a back-end dimension hub, the front-end roll apps, and then there's a database data availability providers of whatever that maybe they're talking about celestia there and then they have like different architecture for their ability to like mint tokens dimension rdk bridging and let me see i'm trying to find it like a summary so they're, they're defining their roll apps as on their on their front page it says roll apps easily to deploy your own consensus free blockchain and accrue more token value with greater security so basically there are a bunch of each little DAP is its own little L2, but then the data and the um, validator set are all, you know, hosted by dimension. So your DAP um, so, is basically a um, very, like your DAP is basically like an optimism or an, or an arbitrum almost like it's basically yeah. layer two. It's basically a layer two and as yeah. my understanding, and then, and then it, uh, and then it brings its data back to, um, to the main chain or it finalizes something on the main chain to make sure that it's everything's kosher and it's not playing games with you. And then Dimension itself uses Celestia for part of its 
structure as well, um, which is why they got such a big airdrop for Celestia stakers. But so that, that paradigm of like everybody's its own chain is already kind of here and it's being experimented with. And none of us know what the final form of a like a real working useful blockchain looks like, I think. Um, so I don't I like I think it's good. There's all this experimentation. But like you say, the liquidity is really fracturing. So unless we can get like a whole bunch more institutions and retail in, like there are going to be clear winners and losers and some things are just going to die like painful, possibly really slow deaths, but they'll definitely die because not everything is going to stay relevant like all the time, just like with every yeah, cycle. These, these things can like stay exciting for a while, like even a matter of years, and then they sort of fade after that. And then the problem is you're not given a warning that they're going to fade. So you're like, oh, you know, my coin price is down, but it'll go back up next year or whatever. Um, like my Adam bag would be a testament to that. It's like nine bucks still, you know, and it's like a couple of years later and like it hasn't pumped like, you know, even to 20, it hasn't even gone back to 20 bucks yet, which would be like a clear breakout. And it may eventually do that. But the point is like, you know, does anyone care in the future is the question. And there's no guarantee that people will. There's so many things to speculate on. And so it becomes very, very narrative driven. Um, stock markets in many ways, the same way. You know, like whatever the AI narrative or whatever is that pumps the hell out of things. Um, you know, that's why I bought like IBM stock because I figured eventually quantum was going to become like a popular narrative. Everyone's going to be like, "Ooh, what's in it? What's the quantum play to go on the oh IBM? Okay, and then it'll pump to giga millions uh, for no reason, um, except for narrative." But, um, hmm. Okay, so dimension. I guess like we'll see what happens. Uh, since I sold that half of it, by the way. At seven dollars and something on osmosis, it's showing at like five dollars and six cents now. So that was kind of a good good play so far. <laughs> you are you arbitrage the pool. You your your tiny bag. Uh, My tiny bag. Terms. So it was enough. It, was enough no, to delete like a dollar and a half from the. No, it's legitimately it's legitimately a tiny bag. So it's it's truly nothing. Um, it's it's almost not even worth talking about. It's that small, <laughs> but whatever. I just had some dust of Adam sitting here, and I'm like, oh, let's go and. Uh, buy a little bit of dimension or whatever and see what happens. Um, but yeah, I have that residual amount. The parts I didn't sell went down in value. <laughs> so, oh, well, easy come, easy go. But at least I got my initial cash out, right? So like, it's fine. Yeah, that part's free. The part that's going down now, in value is now free. I can, now I can t dump that into something else that's going to come out, you know, and, and whenever it comes out. There's always something. Actually, Osmosis has quite a few different coins on it now. Um, it's got Chainlink on it, for example. Um, like, how are they connecting all these things? Did they add, like, is there a bridge provider or did they add Chainlink CCIP here? How do they bring all these in here? There's a lot of, there's Arbitrum on here. There two is, bridges. There's, there's, they rely on two bridges. There's the, um, uh, uh, the one that's been out that we were using on Terra. What was that one? The, um, um, Mm, wormhole. There's a, there's Ax, Axelar and there's Wormhole, and they both bring in assets from different places, including like Ethereum chains and stuff like that. And I think that's the way that they're they're getting on there. Let me see. Yeah, if I have to deposit Chainlink, it's asking me to deposit. It's asking me to open a MetaMask connection. So maybe Osmosis is trading. Mm, I don't know. It, I guess it bridges it when you connect something happens here interesting but uh it doesn't tell you on here what the mechanism is or are you on like a link version that is sitting on osmosis or what 
sure. Um, my Levana bag is doing terrible still. Um, <laughs> I bought that too high, clearly. Not crazy about those guys. I'm not. I'm not yeah, just you, have a bad you, feeling about you, them. You, you mentioned that you're not kind of like. Well, the first of all, the, the launch has kind of been a mess, and um, uh, it's not that the guy's not a nice guy. It's just like the launch was a bit of a mess. It really actually screwed over um person like me who actually bought in early to their thing because they made a mistake on how they did the market making so you never screw your early investors um because they won't buy much of your coin at that point and they're usually your most vocal majority um but um yeah it's just been dragging along i don't know i'm just gonna leave it alone for probably a few years and just let it sit there in my wallet not too worried about it on the plus side uh they're on osmosis right and i think osmosis has been doing like record volumes these last couple months yeah for so one reason or just, another so because eventually yeah it might be you know it's because it's used maybe it's useful although i don't really know what the levana token does to be honest so i don't there's know basically enough there's it. enough assets on osmosis that it's like you know an average person could get a lot of exposures on it it's not bad um really like instead of the axelar and these other bridges i mean honestly if so many of these chains just added CCIP that all get a ton of assets immediately, um, which would be very helpful. Um, as opposed to trying to get everyone to add IBC, it's actually a lot easier to add CCIP to everything because <laughs> Chainlink will probably be the winner here, if I had to guess. And the reason they're going to be winner is because each chain has their own, each system has its own cross-chain communication protocol. Um, you don't really want to buy a computer monitor with like seven jacks on the back, or you have a computer monitor with one jack on the back and it's not actually compatible with your your desktop, right? You know what I mean? Like it, people want standards in this type of thing. And I think um, an external standard that is not a blockchain makes a lot of sense. Um, and, a, and a group that can actually bring in real world assets like stocks and commodities and things, I think um, like, the moment CIP gets like stock trading or something like stocks on board, I think you'll see this like explosion of um, chains who are wanting to integrate it more than likely. I'm not sure. I don't know. Is that is integratable into like Zephyr for that matter? That would be really good. Then you could easily swap between your wallet and like if you could do a protocol level CCIP, that'd be amazing. I'm not sure if it's possible. Is it, uh, is it likely though? Like some of those cool things that, um, link would do it feels to me like they won't actually happen in the united states just like with a lot of other things because um no li the, link the, stuff yeah. will happen in the u.s because they're the only ones with the clout right now to talk to like swift and dtcc so but, but you think like, that they're going to be able to take you think they're going to be able to take like u.s stocks and put them on yes. change for u.s exactly people to trade yeah, that's exactly without making doing. everybody without making everybody KYC and without turning everybody who 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 interacts with them into like uh, some sort of registered entity. Because well, no, right I now, like I think you have yeah. to be you're going to wind up having to be like so. Yeah, how do people vote with their shares? For example, how do you get your dividends? Right. Currently, brokerages take care of all that, but that's what they're working on building right now. The, they're building out an entire infrastructure to tokenize stocks. So you can fractionally trade them, partial stocks as well as the ability to get dividends. And then the last question is like, can you vote just like you do now? And I think all of that is being worked on. So it's, yeah, it's, I think but then if, there's also disclosures and things, right? Like normally, normally when you yeah. own a stock, you're getting like paperwork saying that like, this is the shareholder report or whatever, right? 
So all that stuff has to be sort of incorporated into that to make it work. And which I yeah. think would be easier if they kind of sandboxed it. Like, I mean, they could use blockchain technology, but it almost makes sense that, that they would want to have like their own regulatorily compliant uh, which is, yeah, blockchain exactly. to do this type of stuff instead of interacting with anything that we already use. No, CCIP, um, what it is, is it's just imagine it like, um, okay, so right now DTCC has some servers. Those servers contain data about where Apple stocks are. They're on Charles Schwab, they're on Fidelity, whatever. And they keep a final data set where all the stocks in their arsenal are. So you're a company, you want to issue a stock. That stock is issued by DTCC. Maybe they take some fees or whatever on the back end, and they basically service the stock. And they're the, our final arbiter of where those stocks are and how they're issued and whatever, that kind of thing, right? Um, your brokerage keeps track of right now, like, you know, how many stocks do you own of Apple versus, you know, your buddy over there? Like that's keeping track on a database. So there's all these databases like running things. And then there's, of course, like market makers and whatnot that buy and help assist buy and sell those things like Citadel or whoever. And they're in the mix and the brokerage and the, and the market maker cannot be the same people because otherwise you wind up having like the brokerage trading against its customers. It'd be like FTX Alameda, right? Like they're in bed with each other. You can't have that from a legal standpoint, market makers have to be separate from the brokerage. All right. So now, you, so now what happens if DTCC issues a um, sort of like CCIP um, coded stock into the CCIP swimming pool, then, you know, everyone can come and sort of, you know, drink from that soup bowl. You can connect Ethereum to it. You can control, connect Cosmos chains, whatever you, you, you might connect. And that stock, the, the final, like, destination is all kept track with CCIP, meaning like, um, it, think of it as a layer zero, but it's not a blockchain. So it's scalable and it's just a pool of stocks with the information tag metadata. And what's happening is, is like Ethereum connects and um, Optimism connects or whoever, like, you know, injective. And now like your Apple stock can be on any one of those chains, but there's no double spend. You can't have two of the same Apple stock because CCIP is um, every chain that wants to have access to those assets has to be connected via CCIP, if that makes sense. So DTCC is the final arbiter. That's where the final like finality happens as far as like um, where this final asset sits. So they still maintain control with CCIP. CCIP is not like where Chainlink takes over stock anything. But like all you're doing is you're creating a conduit between DTCC and instead of a conduit that goes to Fidelity, that conduit now comes to Arbitrum or it comes to a, you know, a blockchain. So the stock is not, it's like not exactly living in the CCIP layer. It just travels through it, sort of like IBC. But the difference here is unlike IBC, which is like specific only to Cosmos chains and specific not only to Cosmos chains, but only to individual chains. You have to have an IBC channel per thing. There's no standard routing system through Cosmos Hub that handles all of the routing, which is the problem. Because if you don't have a standard central system, then the problem is like, you know, the DTCC does not want to work with IBC and CCIP and, you know, whatever else stupid protocol comes up next. They want to work with a singular, um, uh, they want to work with a singular like framework, right? That's, that's the thing. So it, it'd be no different than like, your monitor company doesn't like if they could have one connector like HDMI, 
they don't necessarily want to have um, like seven other connectors on the back. They want to be able to operate with one or two, maybe at most. And that's where that's where CCIP comes in. So if DTCC successfully connects with Chainlink, pretty much all the crypto world, unless they just don't want to have exposure to stock assets, doesn't need to connect CCIP. But there's no guarantee DTCC is going to come to Cosmos and say, hey, by the way, we're going to issue an IBC native um, you know, Apple stock or something. And there's not even such a thing as being IBC native. That's the problem here. Like in Cosmos, every time you IBC your asset from one place to the other, you can't actually send it anywhere you want, right? Like, for example, if I've got Atom on osmosis, um, I can't send my Atom on osmosis directly to um, Injective, for example, because that's the osmosis version of Atom. You have to go back to your Atom wallet, and from Atom, you can go to Injective, right? You can't go from an IBC coin to a different IBC coin. That's a weird experience. With CCIP, the difference is, is your asset can just freely move with any CCIP-enabled system. That's a big deal. Like It essentially renders IBC obsolete. So you, you would have to be super bearish on Cosmos chains um, <laughs> if that did not incorporate CCIP. That's my suspicion. So anyway, the, like it's, so it's a big deal like technology-wise um, to have that and the reason why they're able to do it, Chainlink's able to do it, is because they're blockchain agnostic, because they're not a blockchain. So they're not a direct competitor necessarily. Second reason is because business development, like tying in with DTCC, is like a gigantic project in and of itself. And so far, none of the other blockchain devs on different platforms have been able to sort of go that extra mile to do this. Uh, incorporating with Swift, for example. I mean, like they've been working on this so I think XRP and these people are the ones working with various experiments to incorporate Swift and such. And that's a multi-year thing. And they've been working on that for, what, three, four, five, six years now. And, um, you know, for, for, for them to sort of like someone else to just show up and sort of take over that is not that easy to do because they've been literally building specifically for DTC's requirements. And they've been building for Swift's requirements because they felt like, okay, if we cover those requirements, like we understand what blockchains need, but we need to make sure TradFi gets what they need and then we can connect everything together. Um, it's not so straightforward for just random chains and random dApps or whatever to just go show up at DTCC and, hey, we want to tokenize some Apple stock. You know, like it's not going to happen. Um, so yeah, like I think Chainlink is in the right position. They're also an American company and they're also sort of like completely public with an actual address and everything else. And TradFi doesn't want a bunch of Anons or whatever. And they don't want to deal with random foundations. They want to deal with an actual company who's going to be held accountable for everything. So it's like a more of a legal entity in that sense as well. So yeah, if you're like the TradFi play would be Chainlink, essentially, as far as like expecting integrations. And some people have gambled, of course, on XRP, um, whose market cap is like four times bigger um, so or three times bigger. So someone believes XRP is useful. Um, I'm not exactly sure if you know if any of that will materialize, but I tried to fade it too much because I I don't know enough about it to be sure. <laughs> but uh, the XRP people generally seem to um, seem to think that um, their coin is great for some reason, but uh, I'm not sure if they're well founded or not as far as their expectations. <laughs> um, anyway, but um, I, I think like it's quite feasible that Chainlink runs now. 
three X's to its prior high and actually runs to be closer to XRP's market cap, where XRP might just sit stagnant without any particular news or excitement lately. Um, if that does coincide with something in May, like TCC announcement of some active test net or something, people could play with some you know, like fake stocks or something, that would be really interesting and super bullish. Like you can imagine the narratives will just light fire like crazy at that point if, if that actually materializes. So some stuff to look forward to, at least, um, as far as Chainlink's concerned. Um, and maybe some things to worry about if there are blockchains that don't incorporate CCIP. But I think like Kujira, for example, would be perfect for CCIP. Osmosis would. And then you could bring in any asset that's in the CCIP structure. And there's another side effect to that, too, which is really interesting, in that when you connect to CCIP, all the assets on your native chain can also connect to Ethereum. So you could transfer Osmosis tokens readily uh, through the CCIP system, for example, and send them to Arbitrum or Optimism or whatever. So all of the DEXs end up behaving a lot more like centralized exchanges, but they don't have the bridge risks that traditional bridges have, like you know draining bridges and hacking and whatever, um, or like multi-sigs related to bridges. Right, which is a separate thing. So CPCIP becomes like a layer zero, um, a relatively trustless system that's persistent. And it's basically like a bunch of tunnels underneath these different buildings. Um, so the word chain link ultimately applies here, right? Like imagine a subway system under each different town, which is a, um, or each skyscraper is a, is a like um, a blockchain. And then you have all these subways underneath connecting. And the train- You've got all these- You've got all these um, Hasidic tunnels between each of them. Yeah, exactly. The, the Jewish tunnels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's. Uh, but that's the the visual concept, and not only that, but the visual concept is is all of the coins connected to CCIP uh, on your blockchain if it's native to the chain. So if CCP is implemented native to the chain. Theoretically, all the coins on that chain can actually achieve compatibility. If only a DAP on your chain, let's say GMX, for example, is CCIP compatible, then you can send a GMX-related token to Arbitrum or Optimism or whatever, or you can trade Arbitrum and Optimism tokens on um, uh, GMX, but you can't send them to Ethereum base layer, right? And, and, and a big thing here is like Circle USDC is going to be available, is available now via CCIP. So it's, when all this goes live, the interesting thing there too is maybe you no longer they might deprecate liquidity pools for like USDC specific only to Optimism only to Arbitrum and now when you go to Coinbase and you buy USDC you're getting the CCIP version of it you can send it anywhere you want without worrying that you're going to have like a you know like you're going to lose your fucking money it's just a weird user experience like a user comes on to like oh I bought the USDC Arbitrum version. Like they're like, what? Like the average person's like, this sounds stupid. And then they accidentally send it to Optimism. Whoops. Or like you send it to a centralized exchange thinking, oh, this looks like it might work. And then turns out you didn't send it to the Arbitrum address. And now the, the fucking money is stuck there or impossible to like fix or something. Uh, and possibly the worst part is that like, I, I don't think that IBC relayers that actually connect the chains together are compensated for it in any real way. Exactly. So there's no like no value accrual for the people. The people keep it open out of the goodness of their heart. Yeah. Uh, Cos in some cases, Cosmos Hub, Cosmos Hub, the Atom token doesn't have a a use case, and 
on the other side, IBC, it would be make sense if somehow the Atom token got value or paid for these IBC transactions. But right now, you're right. IBC doesn't have a way to make money. And there should be a fee for that, honestly. Like why there's no, like why, why IBC is free and why there's no fees for this, I'm not really sure. It doesn't make any sense at all. Who's paying for the relay? The relayers, they're doing out of the goodness of their heart. What if they get bored? I mean, then your chain, your relayer breaks, right? Um, and not only that, but you have like a whole bunch of different relayer updates in the background. And we don't know what's happening with all that shit, but like with CCIP, the difference is the way it works is they have these sort of like, um, I think they call them DOMs or something. There's like these, these small networks. And if an update happens, there's a new, they spin up a new layer. The update goes through and people can test that before deprecating from the old layer and they can swap over when the new layer is ready. Um, it's not reliant on like all of the relayers have to convert right now to the correct software code or it's going to be all fucked up. There's not a situation like validators where you know how like you have to wake up all the validators and chain. Everyone has to upgrade the chain. Otherwise, you know, you're going to be slashed or something <laughs> like that whole thing doesn't exist because it's just a totally different system that relies upon 100% uptime. Um, whereas right now with Cosmos, we don't have 100% uptime. And as we noticed with Solana yesterday, I'm not sure if Solana is still broken or not, but Solana had problems with uptime as well. And you can't be connected to all the world's stocks and not be have not have 100% uptime. This is not going to work, right? Or like, when's the last time you went to Fidelity and you just couldn't trade? Like, it's very rare, right? <laughs> like, that has to be not a, because it can affect your trades and whatnot. Um, anyway, but um, so th this is kind of the magic of CCIP ultimately. And once you sort of like realize what that is, and the link marines call it being link peeled or whatever um then you realize there's no other way it can be like it is the it is the way it's going to be um in the world we live in today um the way that stocks are issued and managed how banking money through swift is issued and dealt with and like you mentioned someone has to deal with the kyc situation when it comes to stocks and all that shit so they actually like bought up i think one of cornell's patents or something called deco is cornell or one of those universities and what that means is like um the, the they have also hired i think one of the people that designed that or something um re jules or somebody and apparently like they're trying to put in like a zk roll-up type of system in the background that can keep your kyc data personal for you and that way when you buy a stock on and anywhere and you're you yourself are kyc within that system you could basically trade those stocks and it will keep a record of who has that stock so because that'll be it'd be really nice if we could stop like large institutions from short selling like naked shorts right on right. things you know it'd be nice if there's some accountability for who actually has stock and who isn't because people only get like slaps on the wrist for pulling shenanigans like that even yeah, the cost yeah, retailers like tons of money. All that stuff becomes like a thing of the past in theory with this, because like who's selling what becomes really clear cut and transparent. Um, yeah, it could lead to a fairer world theoretically than what we the have. Other now. Good, the other thing that's good about it is um, if if it makes it more viable to trade fractional stocks in such a way that you're not limited to a single platform, then that's good because people, you know, one of the the value, one of the things that made Robinhood take off was that. You didn't have to buy a whole share of uh, Google or Apple or whatever. You could buy fractional shares, but then you're locked into their system, and then they yeah. can do whatever the hell they want. They can do another whatever they want to, which they, which which they did during game the GameStop thing. Another interesting side effect of having CCIP 
is right now, like, let's say you're trading on Fidelity and you're trading on whatever. You have a bunch of assets, but they have different cost base on different locations. Like if you have Robinhood plus Fidelity or something, you might have bought Facebook stock on both places. Now your taxes are all fucked up a little bit, right? The, so you have to like coordinate all that and make sure it's all connected properly. This, in CCIP, the difference would be um, any stock you own anywhere would be recognized and you'd get dividends reported and you probably would just go to one CCIP connected DAP, like maybe TurboTax next to CCIP. It can you give you give the token to have it read your um, your KYC data set, and that data set contains your trades in it for stocks anywhere in those ecosystem. And now you can take care of your taxes. So CCIP's other magic bullet is that it's designed to connect to anything, not just to stocks and money, but just to other tradfi databases for taxes and whatever. Um, so that would change the game quite a bit as far as taking care of your taxes. So all CCIP assets, you theoretically connect, say, Coinly to CCIP, give it your token for your identity information that you want to share. And next thing you know, it's it's uh, got all of your transactions perfectly lined up um, from all of your various blockchains and such, because they're all writing to CCIP as you buy and sell them. Does that make sense? Like it's just think of it as another layer of the Internet at that point. Yeah, really, really interesting stuff. I, mm, uh, this is the reason why I was like so hyper weirdly bullish on Chainlink. I look at all this and go, hey, wait a minute, like nobody's doing all this. Um, if they're even modestly successful, the coin moons, um, even if they get like half the implementations, I think they're going to, this coin still moons. Um, and so there's a lot of maybe reasonable expectations baked into the the price targets and such, especially compared to last season. I mean, shit, like the coin with no nothing planned just oracles and no actual value accrual mechanism the token went to 53 dollars. it's 1837 now like it's basically just completely cheap um and it, it does a lot more things than say a solana or ethereum can manage to do as far as like real world utility um and being like blockchain agnostic is all the better um, so it's a very different thing than like a zephyr zephyr is like you know i'm a cypherpunk i'm hiding from everybody fuck you and then like link is the like the polar opposite of his effort it is the tradfi play where you know you're like you, you it's like it connects to all the world's money and therefore it moons or something Sefi, are they yep. gonna do anything with xmr or, or or zephyr because i just heard binance delisted xmr today like is that something in the cards with with uh ccip um i well technically mm, I guess any chain can connect to add CCIP to their service set. Um, is there a purpose to doing that? Like for XRP to do this? I'm not so sure. Um, there's a blockchain that just is going to be opening up or has opened up lately that connects XRP to a Cosmos native chain. And that allows you to basically XRP users to do some sort of XRP DeFi. I'm not sure what the point is. Seems kind of stupid to me, but I don't, like it's something. But no, it's like CCIP can be integrated by anybody, technically speaking. If assuming that like you have a, I believe you have to have like uh, a smart contract based chain to make it work. I think um, I don't. I don't exactly know how the tech specifically. How works. did Binance technically delist XMR? They just don't let you hit the buy button or the send button, or yeah, that... it's just it's just no longer there anymore. That's what, what it is. They just got rid of it. They ran out of, they ran, they, earlier today, people were trying to withdraw their XMR and then they were getting an error message saying that, uh, that they needed to add more to their hot wallet. 
And so they couldn't get there. They couldn't trade their XMR, but they also couldn't get it out. Um, so who knows what games uh, Binance is playing. But remember now that Binance is an agent of the state. Binance is now completely subverted by the United States. Is that due 100%. to the CZ thing? Like CZ stepped down and then he became an agent? No, it's, it's, always because, it's because one, they sh- A, the, on the one hand, they had the SEC ire because they had Binance US commingling funds with uh, Binance Singapore, wherever the hell they are. That was one thing. And then the second thing that happened was they were offering like the, the claim was they were offering too many, like made it too easy for us customers to go and play on Binance and then basically sell American customers unregistered securities, which is technically illegal. And then the third thing was like, okay, if you have privacy tokens and things or other stuff, um, you have to be able to track that criminals aren't moving money through your exchange. And remember like they freeze tether, like remember when XRP just got, um, like the one of the owners just lost some of their XRP, like a hundred million dollars worth or whatever it was. And they they um had Binance freeze those assets because the hacker that stole the money from that XRP's founder or whatever, they um were routing them through Binance and they made them freeze those assets. So so at this point, like Binance is complying with whatever whoever says so. And so Yeah. They'll turn over records to the United States government as part of um, whatever their plea deal is or whatever. And then um, and then the, the new CEO guy people were talking about because he's got links to like the World Economic Forum and stuff. It's not like he's uh, he's not like a crypto native dude who's come up from, you know, the uh, cyberpunk scene. The, oh, I was just going to say, what's the easiest way to get XMR now? <laughs> like did Coinbase Kraken, also? Kraken oh. has it in the US. Oh, Kraken. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, and and there are there are a lot of like little niche little um kind of decentralized uh like peer to peer markets and stuff like that where you can swap like Bitcoin for Monero and a lot of, a lot of the mine guys who mine will use like these smaller there's atomic swaps mostly yeah once Zephyr swap goes into play we might have an actual Dex um so I'm looking forward to the seeing the white paper on apparently it's gonna be released on the eighth of this month two days from now. We'll see. But and then Thorchain Black, you know, the, the black box Thorchain that people have been talking about in secret, that could happen at some point. And then of course Sarai Dex is thinking of putting Monero on as well. Now it's like Turbo Boost. They're probably like, okay, well, Binance is out. Now we're definitely gonna do these projects because like it makes sense. But I think the Sarai relevant. Uh, the Sarai folks though are not um anon, I believe, which is bad. Um I would re- much rather have like Zephyr and Zephyr Swap be completely anonymous and everyone covers their trails and just let the thing run and quite literally just deploy the software and run away. Kind of like we need to have like a relatively immutable system that just doesn't get touched so that it runs just like a blockchain. Um, I wonder what they're going to run it on. The white paper will tell us, but maybe like, I wonder if it'd be proof of work and be like on a Ethereum classic, for example, that would work, I think. Um, And then you'd use that as the base layer or something. Um, and then you have to have like, you know, a way to manage ring, ring signatures and liquidity pools, whatnot. And that's the other part of the technology that, um, hopefully the Zephyr swaps people are quite smart and hopefully they're part of the old Monero community, or maybe even have some Monero Debs or assistance so that you get like, um, a quality implementation with the ring signatures and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think like, but privacy is going to be a big problem pretty quickly. Um, and it hasn't been a big narrative for like the last 10 years, but, um, the, the future of with AI and CBDC is coming like, um, 
it's like it really the true crypto maxis in a sense are not the OG Bitcoin people. The true crypto maxis really are the XMR people, if you really think about it, because like, <laughs> like that is truly what cryptography was meant to to create for you. And um, you know, call it for what it is. But like you notice a lot of BTC maxis are not also XMR maxis. So it's like they claim to be like, you know, almost like hardcore libertarians and uh, you know but realistically like if you don't have your privacy you don't really have anything because violence yeah can always i would be argue against you. xmr is more fungible in my opinion right so it, it's a little bit more closer to money because in real life if you drop a dollar bill then somebody else picks it up like you don't know who the previous owner was what they did exactly. didn't do or none of your business 100%. none of that yeah. stored none of that stored with the dollar bill Exactly. Um, so it really is kind of a shame that uh, the BTC guys are just, they've doubled down so hard on their narrative that it's like the supreme thing that um, they didn't actually no, go into things yeah, that the, were the, Yeah, you know, the history of the that vision. dollar, the history of that particular dollar doesn't, make, doesn't matter. Now, to, to BTC's like, benefit, it's, it can't be frozen. It's not like a tether. Um, so if you got your Bitcoin from a drug dealer, you can just simply say, I don't, I don't have any... I have no idea why they sent me this or something, but like, you know, but there is the problem of if, what happens if someone sends you a bunch of money to frame you, right? Like what if someone wants to say, Hey, Grin murdered so-and-so and they know like your wallet because they, you know, maybe you bought something from them or something, or they fished your way. It's my banner. I'm going to put it, I'm going to put my wallet <laughs> in my banner. So then, then they send you like, you know, 10 Bitcoin because they want to pin you for something. And claim that, oh, look, you accepted this and you were the assassin that killed that person. So the problem with a lack of privacy is you can actually pin a crime on just about anybody. Um, and dusting people's wallets with different uh, amounts and whatnot could be look like, you know, like some, for example, if like Lazarus Group from North Korea wanted to uh, make it look like a politician was doing something, right? Like they could just basically find their way to figure out what politician has what wallet. And then they can then basically start dusting that wallet and say, oh, someone can come and say, oh, Look, and they'll tell someone else to go say, oh, look into this. I heard that they're taking money from North Korea. Next thing you know, it's like, oh, look, there's money from North Korea right here. And then the guy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not sure where this came from. And then they're going to be like, oh, well, no, but the evidence on chain shows clearly you're taking money from Lazarus Group. What are you going to do about it? So that person. Yeah, you know, destroyed. one, uh, yeah, one it, feature that's like yeah, desperately. Politicians get screwed over, then, then they'll notice why they need privacy. There's a feature that's desperately missing from crypto. And I don't know why somebody hasn't built it. Maybe there's some obscure chain somewhere, but like the ability to refuse junk, like somebody tries to send something to you and then you can go, it would go into a queue and then you could say, yes, I want this. I want that. I want this. No, I don't want that. Like instead, like, I don't know why the paradigm is that you could send anything to anyone at any time, which I absolutely hate in real life with junk mail. My wife, at some point, she got so mad that she started calling like each and every catalog company saying, stop sending me stuff. Because she was so tired of having to pick through it and dispose of it and the waste of it and so on. Yeah, and the same I've, thing I've happens the, in the I've digital the space. <laughs> I don't I know went, why. I went, like, I they went don't... autistic ape shit and I went and like made all those people stop sending me shit. Like they should just, I mean, this, like a chain can be developed in such a way that like that a portion of maybe the execution fee was kept in reserve so that if somebody said return to sender, that it would just return to sender. And that's on the person who sent yeah. it. That's on their transaction fee. But you see the uh, problem, be a... like, so CCIP is solving for that also, by the way, remittances. Oh my goodness, CCIP again. I thought we were C done with CCIP, <laughs> but it jumped back up. It's, see, that's it what I'm saying. Like, everything, that, 
everything that we think of in, in like how you want to operate your email, the ability to reject stuff and blah, 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 and deal with spam and all this. Like this has been a computing problem for a very long time. Spam especially is a serious like problem. Um, so like the ability to reject things and whatnot is something that you'd like to be able to have happen um, ultimately. Um, but yeah, like, and, and even like your credit card network, right? Like if you use your visa somewhere and let's say some scammer got your visa card number and used it in some store that you don't normally go to, you, you might be alerted and say, Hey, this looks like suspicious activity. We blocked it. And if you want to unblock it, call us and we'll make sure that it's you. You can't even do that in crypto right now. So there's a lot of like remittances is a serious problem. Why? Like there's no chance in the universe that you know, blockchain money is going to be spent on coffee or some garbage. It's just pure f nonsense for the most part to even think it's going to happen. Um, it's just, it's not, it's not feasible yet. Um, and people say, Oh, so-and-so built this and so-and-so built that. Yeah, sure. They did show me that like it handles all of these issues and we'll, we'll talk, but that's, that's where, again, all this has to be done on a layer in the background, but that has to be tied to your identity and some preferences. And you have to be able to like set all those things right for yourself. And then, um, you know, various alerts and whatnot, right? Like all of those things could be possible with a, la a layer zero. Um, anyway, but like it, fundamentally though, like let's say Chainlink did exist and it does all this shit that we're talking about. Does it actually materially change the world as we know it? Um, or is it the same thing, but like just different packaging? I think to the end user, it's going to feel like same thing, different packaging. The the difference will be the speed and... and um, transaction times will be faster is the biggest difference um and you'll have like act more straightforward access to fractional um assets and things of this nature but yeah it's like uh to the end user i don't know that like web 2 has largely created a reasonable financial experience um with a probably reasonable level of insurance safety and um you know safeguards for exactly the stuff you're talking about Anyway, looks like kind of a besides the XMR crash, um, Solana today like didn't really change much in price despite the chain halt, which um, is interesting. So clearly, the Solana people um, don't actually consider it a fundamental problem that the chain halted, and the price. They're is so used two, to it. Two point nine percent just up today. It yeah, happens multiple times a year. They're totally used to it. That's all. No, it just basically shows you that like most of the people are just in it for number go up anyway. So like they, it's the popular chain right now. It's like, ooh, the chain halted. Okay, whatever the FUD. I'm going to just go and buy some more. Um, so yeah, it's like... Just, it halted because it's so popular. Yep. It's bullish. It's <laughs> bullish halting. Bullish. It's bullish because it's so popular it halted. Funny. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's kind of like this. Um, it, but yeah, price action didn't get affected very much on it at all. We'll see what what else we kind of, um, but everything else is pretty like somewhat flat today. Um, Kajira is like steadily climbing up penny by penny. It's like three twenty three now. So hopefully it um, it has a run coinciding with right around the time chain link too. Um, that'll be good. Get some attention on it. Anyway, um, I think I'm gonna drop off. Um, wife's home i'm gonna go get some dinner and stuff grin cream uh, you know good chat yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know what to eat for dinner um can ccip fix that probably probably do like a cheaper right. or something um actually it could fix it but we don't want to talk about that now <laughs>
this can fix everything. Anyway, all right. Catch you later, guys. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, inevitably it kind of starts to happen. Tripping on the bird app, listening to nerds flap, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web3. That's why they can't fly, they just drowning in the bird bath, fishing for some dry powder. Watch how we ignite the tower, blowing up the bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preach an open sauce, but don't listen to the code, and now it's mutiny, community, uprise. There's no more humility, futility, plus size. Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal. Which side the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking west side shit, needle and noose, sticking with my armory, yam, beta, and Bruce, repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth, like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? GM fam. Really, worth all the effort? Is it really worth all the fighting? Is it really worth all the drama? And the answer, I think, is a clear no. They started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits All you're left with is kibble when you lose all them bits And that kibble's just sawdust, The shit is all rust Not a great look, you're what we call all nuts And I for one did not see that coming Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile over here rewiring features More critical thinking, less knee jerk More evolution, less shit Preachers pretending to be teachers Y'all just predatory leeches I mean please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rap fucks Sucking up the cheddar, the recipe is two steps Rinse and repeat, now we all in your butts And we bring in receipts GM fam, have a seat If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you would be like don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it Just say like, is it really, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might cost us a lot more than what can be gained by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Ten spaces.